Hello there. Welcome back to another episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I'm Eli. I'm Jacob. And this is episode 66. Actually, wait. Um, anyway, uh, uh, today we are looking through, uh, four of the final episodes, not the final, but four of the final episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 5, that would be Revival, and then the third Mandalore arc of The Clone Wars, that would be Eminence, Shades of Reason, and The Lawless. Um, uh, but Jacob and I are not alone for this endeavor, who do we got, Jacob? Who do we got with us? We are joined by two very special guests, Meg and Devor. Hello, you guys. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. We are doing we have... good. <laughs> As, uh, long-time listeners of the show will know Meg and Devor. Um, Meg, I think this is your fifth time on In a Galaxy, and Devor, I yes. think this is your third time on the show. Yes. Wow. Um. I'm not which uh, I'm not sure which one is more impressive that we've invited you on that many times or that I remembered how many times we've invited you on. Um, <laughs> uh, wait, 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 do I still hold the record for being on the most times? Oh yes, by far. Yes, I'm by keeping far. it. Fantastic. The, the only, the only, the, the only person who even comes anywhere close is the guy sitting next to you. So <laughs> I will. You will never beat me. I probably won't. Never. Thank you. I said the only person who comes close. He doesn't even really. Anyway, um, wait, man, I'm causing all sorts of drama today. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Um, anyway, in revival, uh, there is an attack on a space station in the outer rim by Darth Maul and Savage Opress. The two of them are on the hunt. And they are willing. They're looking for new ways to expand their resources. Um, they have a little discussion in the base which they hijacked about where to go from that there. Um, and then we flash to later when Obi Wan Kenobi and Jedi Master Igalia um, tour the facility where they attacked and learn from some droids that they're going to the Sertar sector, which is where Florum is. Um, and there's this very ominous line where. Um, uh, where Adi Galia asks uh, Obi-Wan, what's on Florum? And he goes, pirates. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, Maul and Savage take some of Hondo Onaka's men uh, as their own. Uh, by the way, good to note here that Maul, that even though this episode is the first episode of season five, this takes place after the gathering arc in where um, General Grievous absolutely shreds um, Hondo's base to the ground, so Hondo is operating out of a half-broken base anyway. Some of Hondo's men and Maul and Savage attack the base, creating this pirate civil war, um, and then Obi-Wan and Adigalia find them. Uh, there's a long duel. Um, uh, Hondo manages to convince all of his men to come back to him from Maul and Savage, um, Obi-Wan and Maul duel, and so do Adi, Galia, and Savage. Um, it ends in a stalemate for Obi-Wan and Maul, but Savage butchers and, uh, strikes down Adi, Galia, um, in front of Obi-Wan, and then, and then Hondo leaves the two of them alone with Obi-Wan, 
um, while he while he gets an ambush ready, um, uh, he, Obi-Wan absolutely wrecks the two of them um, before they try to get in a ship and escape, but then Hondo and his men blow up the ship, um, and they're assumed dead, but if we know anything about Darth Maul, is that that guy does not stay dead! Anyway, they, <laughs> they get in an escape pod, uh, did I say that out loud? Um, uh, they, they get in an escape pod, uh, Maul and Savage, and drift through space until they are found in eminence. Um, fortune cookie is, strength of character can defeat strength in number. Anyone want to start us off with this one? I could say some stuff. So the immediate reaction that I had when I was reminded of this fortune cookie was, who is it about? Because like the strength in numbers, is that like Hondo and the crew? And then the strength of character is Maul and so like, who is who here? I was a little confused. I was confused as well, but I had, I thought this could apply to two different things. I felt like in the end of the episode, I think maybe Obi-Wan, when he is forced, maybe very, maybe a very literal interpretation, Obi-Wan, he is forced to, uh, to take on uh, Savage and Maul. And he manages to actually do quite a bit of damage and also, and also escape in one piece, which is pretty impressive. So maybe the idea is that, you know, because he has this strength of purpose as this this great Jedi dedicated to being the guardian of peace and justice. Maybe that way he's able to overcome great odds. I think that also this could apply to to Maul um, and Savage in, in terms of them learning the lesson that a hastily created plan with a lot of pirates and a lot of firepower is still no match for the Master and the Apprentice as they later do trying to bide their time and really come up with a good plan. So I think that I found that I found this um this fortune cookie a little a little weird for the episode, but that was kind of what I had, had had figured it applied to. Probably one of those two. I was going to conclude the same thing as uh, Jacob's first conclusion, which is the idea of it being about um, Maul and Savage versus Obi Wan. I do think this is a really good fortune cookie. I'm not exactly sure how well it fits with this episode. Like, this could be a really good fortune cookie for, like, something else Star Wars. You know, I was thinking of, like, you know, there were probably more Star Destroyers um, on Exegol than there were people of the People's Fleet, but there are more of us Poe, and they win because, you know, they're the good guys and they have the strength of character. Same thing with the Ewoks uh, and the Imperial Troops on Endor. Same thing with, you know, um, you can count the examples, um, but... It, yeah, I, I think it's a very good Star Wars fortune cookie. I'm not exactly sure, as Jacob said, how well it fits the episode, though if I had to guess how it would fit the episode, I would go with um, Obi-Wan versus Maul and Savage, because uh, there is even a line, I think there, it's, it's, um, I think it's Savage who says this? No, uh, Maul who says this. Um, we are two, and you are no match for us. Oh. And, it's and it's like it's right there, you know. It's, uh, yeah. Strength of numbers, uh, strength and numbers can be defeated by strength of character. So, 
yeah, that's that's just my thought. Yeah, you you definitely make that make sense. Obviously, yeah, in, it's in a weird Star Wars. Cookie. This is a big theme. Yeah, it does it does feel a little weird for this episode. You know how it kind of it's all about this upwelling of the the dark side and Maul coming back, and then it's like. No, but the good guys will still win. Woo! Oh, <laughs> that, that's the thing. It's like the good guys will still win. Woo! And then look how these four episodes end. Yeah. I really didn't get it either, or how it related to the episode. But um, you guys are great at explaining things, so I'm, I'm with you. I got you. I think it's a very, so it's very literal fortune to cookie. So yeah. I don't know. The, yeah, there, there's some. Um, and, and then, the, like, the fortune cookies just, sometimes they, they work and sometimes they don't. I remember there's a specific, um, uh, I think this was, I think we were talking about this around, I think this was the summer when we were talking about nomad droids. Who's more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? I'm like, okay, they just gave up on the fortune cookie for that episode. <laughs> they just put it all one. They just gave up. They couldn't figure out anything. Oh they God. just, they just that were like. Yeah. That is both like a, a well-known saying and also an Obi-Wan quote. <laughs> like, they just They're just like, that one. I'm just imagining now like Dave and the writers around like a fortune cookie assembly board and they're like, okay, what are we doing? No one? Okay, we're just going to slap a random Obi-Wan quote on it. Yeah, um, it was like, it, it was... It was like almost five o'clock. It was like the end of the day. It was like a Friday. They're just like, we need a fortune cookie. Copy and paste. Yeah. Boom. Done. Just done. a total, total deadline panic. I had no idea what yeah, to do. Okay. Exactly. Think of something. Anything. Anything at all. Dash it off. Yeah. Um, uh, I also, I was thinking about a lot about this episode in general, which is an interesting idea for me, I guess, which is that. This episode is might possibly be the weirdest episode in season five, um, mm. and I don't mean that from a story perspective. I mean that because every single other episode in this uh, in this um, season is in a story arc, and this one really isn't. Like we don't have season, uh, we don't have standalones in season five. Those don't exist. It, it's it's uh, um I, i'm trying to think of a meme jacob you can probably help me identify the meme uh uh it's the no we don't do that here meme do you know what meme i'm talking about or no am i imagining i think it's that? from it's from a marvel movie you know probably oh, it is okay yeah because yeah. what mark ruffalo's the hulk or what, what's his gosh why, why am yeah, i blanking um, on that it's um, a war machine he like bought like he, he tricks oh like, yeah he, he tricks um he tricks banner into like bowing before Tatali. he's like no we don't do that oh yeah, yeah 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 that's it that's it yeah um Thank but you. it's like yeah season five standalones we don't do that here um yeah. but uh but it but yet at the very beginning of the season here we have it it's a standalone what's going on do they just not know where else to put it 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 did feel a yeah, little bit it's like really that like it's a continuation of the like of the end of season four arc when maul comes back yeah so yeah it almost makes me wish in a weird way we had done uh brothers revenge and revival as three even though they're from different seasons yeah. um mm -hmm. because that makes a little bit more sense uh but yeah. it's just such a it's just such a, I was I was trying to think 
why this episode existed and my conclusion that I drew from what I could figure out was the idea that Sure, we got Maul in Revenge. We saw how much of a threat he was in Revenge. And we got him at the very end of Phantom Menace. But the Clone Wars writers wanted to delve a little bit deeper into exactly how much of a threat this guy was. You did not have enough of a basis to fear him yet, basically. He, we knew he was going to make... They knew he was going to be making some power plays in the Mandalore arc. And so they thought, yeah, we need to actually have him demonstrate his powers a little bit more before he goes crazy. Mm-hmm. Basically, before you knock it all down, um, uh, and they did knock it all down with Sidious at the end, you have to build it up. You have to build it up a little bit. Yeah. Right. Well, and it also shows, like, um, how dedicated Maul is to just, like, destroying Obi-Wan in any possible way still. Like, that's not over. Like, it's, for him, it's just still beginning. And like they put, they don't put like a ton of emphasis on it, but like enough where that's also it's an important piece um, because it later comes back in in later episodes that we'll talk about. So, yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. Um, Does anyone have a a jumping off point? One of the things that I like at the very start of this episode is that scene where we get basically the master apprentice relationship established between Maul and Savage. Yeah. Where like that was Savage, a, yeah, where Savage is talking about like, well, you know, we could be brothers, we can be equals, and then Maul is, you know, he's asserting the Sith line about like, there's always a master and an apprentice, and then Savage challenges him, and then like Maul kind of puts him in his place. And what I like about this, like both that scene and their dynamic ultimately, is like I think it illustrates something important about Savage's role in the story. Because like one of the knocks that you can make about his character and about his inclusion in the Clone Wars is like, oh, it's just Maul again. Like, they're just doing Darth Maul the same, right? Like, you got the same species, double-bladed red lightsaber, all of that. But I think in some ways that, like, that's kind of the point. Because, like, it's, like, Savage in there is there in part to kind of illustrate that this the kind of moral of Maul basically throughout the Clone Wars and then even when we get into Rebels, which is that, like, Maul can't break out of the cycle. That, like, he was part of the Sith, and even though he gets rejected and is kind of on his own, he keeps, he can't help but just keep perpetuating what he was taught. And so, like, you get with that with the Maul Savage relationship. Like, he's treating Savage the way Sidious treated him, which is oh just as gosh. this blunt 100%. instrument as this apprentice. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, it's part of that, like, you know, there's that, that adage about, or like the conventional wisdom about, like, how like a lot of people who are abusers like have a history of abuse in their past, like they themselves were abused. And so you sort of see that with Maul, like he was treated in a certain way by Sidious, like used as this kind of means to an end. And then Maul just continues that with Savage. Um, and so I think like, I think he works in the story in that way. And then like, again, that's something that continues with Maul and you see it all the way up through, you know, when we get to in Rebels with Twin Sons, that like, he's just stuck in this mentality, in this worldview, and he cannot or does not want to break out of it. I yeah, want to latch on. I think on that's to... a really. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. okay. Um, I want to latch on to one thing Devor said there, um, which I think is very important, and I use this a lot. Um, if anybody who um, ha- is listening to this has not uh, listened to the rant by Freddie Prinze Jr. about Star Wars in general, go do that. I think you'll like it. It's it's crazy. He goes. 
absolutely insane. Um, but one of my favorite things is it's the most indignant and maybe Devore, because I know you're into this kind of stuff, you can, uh, you can back me up or disagree with me on this one. It's the most indignant I've ever seen somebody get about Greek mythology. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, and, and there's this line that plays in my head on repeat. Learn your Greek mythology. Maul is Sisyphus. Yep. Just the way he says it is just like so incredibly timeless. Um, yeah. but, but he goes, Maul is Sisyphus. He rolls the ball up the hill. He rolls the boulder up the hill. And then it comes crashing back down on him. And I've been thinking about Maul a lot in that way. That he always, and, and the lawless is one of those episodes where he gets so close. Revival is, revival is too. Where he gets so close, but due to some mistake he makes along the way, it just all collapses on him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if I can, if I can loop back around to what you were just talking about, Devor, I think one thing that's interesting about this arc, especially with the Master and Apprentice scene, and really throughout all these episodes, is that Maul really, we see him kind of really relish being able to have the master role and kind of being the one in power because for so long he was denied that but then as you said instead of trying to make a change even though he like always even though he's talking about how palpatine abandoned him and he was left humiliated to fend for himself he still ends up as you said perpetuating the cycle because the power that he has is so seductive and I think that's kind of emblematic of how the Sith work. Of, you know, they always, they always have the situation where you know the, the the apprentice. For the Sith to work, the apprentice has to want want what the master has badly enough that then they forget about how much it sucked to be the apprentice when it's their turn to be the master and when it's their turn to have that power. And I, and. I he he really goes he really goes into this i think mal does you know how many how many times in these episodes does he say something like i must correct your oversight or ooh you are you are learning or he, he's always talking about previsla and and savage's oversights in this yeah there's he really, a very he really can't let go of he has to be the smartest person in the room there's a sense um to quote a line from a scene involving who i know is one of another of meg's favorite characters um there is a very um I'm in charge, Phasma. I'm in charge. Vibes. It's an entire <laughs> oh arc with God. Maul. Um, yes. it, it's it's this. It, it's this. Yeah, and um, there's also a line that I was like, "You ever get this is to have? I want to know if this happens to anybody else." I get random lines in my head, and I'm like, "I know this is from a Star Wars villain. I don't know who this is from." And then I have to look it up. So this is a Cad Bane line. I realized, "I'm in charge. I make the rules now." from hostage crisis um but uh but it's this idea of of you know you've been holding me down long enough it's time for me to just control everything and that's what he does um until of course he doesn't um uh that that is that is the that's the moral of this arc is mall mall cleans mall cleans house until he doesn't um yes <laughs> yeah um there's uh, also a line. <laughs> um, uh, I'm sure all three of you know the. Um, it was at this moment that he knew he messed up. <laughs> um, brother, let us share our strength. 
There's no need for dominance between us. It was at this moment that he knew he messed up. Yeah. It's really... I think it kind of shows, in some ways, maybe a little bit of, of, of naivete from Savage that he's, you know, focused on the material, he's focused on the material, the material wealth. But Maul, yeah. but Maul knows that, you know, being a Sith, or at least being a, a dark sider, I guess, for him at that point, it's all about revenge. And I Absolutely. think that, I mean, that goes without saying, I guess. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think um, also, um, man, I just lost it. Um, yeah, like, how would Savage have known? He got, like, what was at maximum a few days training with Dooku. That could have not, that could not have been more than, like, a few days at the most. Um, yeah, before he, he kind of got to... shot what? Yeah. Um, yeah. Though that again, he was never really meant to be Dooku's apprentice anyway. But I will say, actually, this is something we should have talked about in that those episodes. Like, they, um, Savage trains, like, not even close to long enough for him to be an actual threat. Like, like they go after him out, they go after him after, like, three days. Like, come on, wait a few months or something like that. Oh, poor Savage. Poor Savage, yeah. man. I hate but, his character, but poor Savage. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I don't like him, but, like, I still kind of feel bad. He definitely gets kind of... He just gets pushed around a lot and manipulated. Yeah. yeah. So it, it is really sad to see, especially with the way that his, his, his part of the story in the Clone Wars draws to a close in these episodes. It is... He, he definitely did not have an easy go. But... Devor, I know you mentioned wanting to talk about the uh, the crime lords line. What did you? Uh... I was actually so Jacob. Nice job, deja vuing. Uh, not deja vu. Uh, mind sinking with me because I was literally <laughs> just gonna say, let's talk about unintentionally funny lines in this episode because there are like a whole bunch of them. Yeah, so like that's one of those lines that stands out to me. So it's in that we scene when like, <laughs> yeah. Crime. Uh, like when they meet when Maul and Savage meet like the first of like Hondo's crew or whatever and then yeah they're asking like are you guys Jedi and he says like no like what are you like we are lords crime lords and I'm like and watching them thinking like talk about resume inflation like you're two <laughs> guys you're you know, beans you've nothing yeah. it, it, it feels like it, it there there does seem to like uh, uh, be a sense of we are lords Grant glances back at Savage crime lords like, are, I, he does have the sense of, like, are we really doing this? Are we really saying this? Yeah, uh, I mean... Yeah. I think, you know, he you can't say he's not a... He's not... He's definitely faking it. He, he's fake it till you make it. He's yeah. definitely that fake is, it till you make that it. That is definitely what Maul is. Maul is fake it till you make it. And to his credit, he manages can't to be a somehow... Sith, be a proxy Sith. He manages to somehow talk, finesse, and kill his way into controlling a whole bunch of, of crime syndicates in a matter of days. So, I mean, say what you will. I don't think will, it's even days. He, I think it's, like, hours. He, he did it. Like, he set out what he... He did what he set out to do. You can't, you can't say yeah. that he didn't do that, at least. I mean, if Maul is anything, he's, like, the most determined person 
possibly ever in Star Wars because he just does not quit. He just goes <laughs> all the way every single time. Yeah. It's like, okay, you've been defeated by um you've been defeated by uh, a Jedi, but you somehow survive. Don't get me into the logic of that. Um but that but then but then you go into crime, but then the crime thing fails. So you try to take over a planet, but taking over the planet thing fails. Then you do crime again, but bigger. Then the crime thing fails again. Then you corrupt a young boy into trying being your apprentice, and that fails. And then there's the it, uh Probably you all know the despicable me, Groomy, and where he got, where he's pointing at the whiteboard, um, and then and, and then you're killed by your arch nemesis, and then you're killed by your arch nemesis. Okay. Um. <laughs> yeah, you definitely. Yeah, you just. You, I mean, for Maul at this point, it's just he reali- he kind of realizes that at this point he has the um, he has the smarts and the power to to pretty much do almost anything he wants to through sheer force of will but i think that ultimately that ultimately just becomes his downfall because he 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 flies too close to the sun and and then obviously sidious just just shuts it all down yeah without even really trying (laughs) there is a sense that like maul has everything he dreams in this episode um, and then arc, and then his dreams catch up to him. Uh, th- like he he has it all, but then the consequences of his actions um, come into view more plainly with the pirates, with the um, Mandalore situation. Um, and he doesn't really have like he's not as good as his master. Like he's trying as hard as his master before. Like Devor was saying about. Um, about him trying to do everything like his master did for him. He tried the master manipulator thing, and he does it, like, decently. He just, like, isn't to his master's level, where his master has backup plans for backup plans if things fail, and then guess what? If those backup plans fail, he has more backup plans, because this dude never runs out of backup plans. Mm-hmm. I, I, now I'm just thinking, like, all those times where that we see Palpatine just sitting in his desk, and we assume he's working on, like, uh, political stuff. Imagine if he's just looking. Okay, backup plan two B. Backup backup plan six hundred seventy nine A. He's just constantly typing about backup plans or if plans don't work. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Maul is a he, he's a wild one, or yeah. Sidious. I mean, I wow. Yeah, they're Sidious. both wild. They're wild. I mean, they're both wild. Yeah, it, that that works for for both of them. They're yeah, yeah, and they very they definitely have their in their own ways. They are both completely off the chain. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I think we we have to talk about Florum at a certain point. Yeah, and the, the, the I, whole, I do want to mention one more unintentionally funny line. Okay. Do you want to live? Yes, very badly. Should not be as funny as it is, um, and it's something I only noticed on this rewatching of it. I'm like, that is hilarious. <laughs> I don't know one. why that's so funny, but it just is. Oh my god! Yeah. I mean, why do you why do you guys think he chooses to go to to Florum of all the places? Because I don't know maybe he doesn't know enough about Hondo, but obviously Hondo's got Hondo's got not a lot of love for anyone with a lightsaber. 
Yeah, I don't know. Unless, I don't know, there's just an assumption that because of who they are as pirates, that they might be more easily turned over to his side, that they might have fewer allegiances, fewer morals. I don't know why else. I don't know if you know this. That definitely becomes the case. There's a core in the uh, middle of um, Forum that's actually a magnet. It's a plot magnet. It pulls all the (laughs) plot to it. (laughs) It does seem like, when in doubt, go to Florum. Yes. Yeah. I mean... You need secret weapons delivered? Florum. You need somewhere to stage a rebellion? Florum. You need somewhere to be stranded on um, after your Padawan mission goes awry? Florum. Pretty much. I would say for the in-universe answer, though, I would say probably, this is a just wildly off-base answer, but um, that probably isn't right, but um, we see in the Darth Maul comics um, that Maul pre-Phantom Menace um, has a lot of affiliations with the Underworld already, so he might know Hondo by reputation, because I don't think he's met Hondo before this. No... Yeah, it doesn't seem like it, it doesn't seem like he knows him. Yeah, like, based on their exchange and then his later exchange with Obi Wan, but yeah, yeah, like he does not know who Maul is. Yeah. So, um, but but my just weird idea is that is that maybe he knows from the research he's done um, about the crime and underworld of the galaxy that Hondo is a pretty powerful force in the other world. He is? I mean, I don't know. He defeats two Jedi and a Sith. Two of the most <laughs> powerful, for- three of the most powerful force beings in the galaxy. Okay, that's fair. What- Jake, yeah, wait, what's happened? I'm now the one praising Hondo, and Jacob is now the one dismissing Hondo. <laughs> I'm not dismissing Hondo. Oh my god, this is this is like the other I mean, day when we were recording, where I was like, oh, the Jedi are losing their way. And I'm like, I've become Jacob. I've I've completely yeah. turned. Look, I mean, him. I mean, I mean, Meg, Devor, how do you two feel about Hondo? Because I feel like we end up, we Eli and I end up just spending a lot of time talking about Hondo, and I feel like we've kind of, I don't know. He he just lives he just lives rent free in my head at this point. So I have to hear some outside perspectives. How how do you guys feel about this this man? I, I'm sorry, but I love him. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. I love him. I, as well. I think he's a delight. <laughs> Every time he just shows up, it's just like, oh, Hondo's here. Great. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. I think I think he's an absolute legend. Yes. I, he, it's just a joy whenever he whenever he pops up. I he might go pops as up at the perfect moments too. Like yeah. you don't yeah. see it coming. Here he is. Yeah. Yeah. I might say. That I think maybe this episode is my favorite episode featuring Hondo in it of maybe Star Wars television. This wow. is some, yeah, this is some of my favorite lines, including quite possibly my favorite Hondo line that he has ever uttered. Is I, uttered in the sentence. So normally there'd be a standout, but like there are six Hondo lines in this episode yeah. that I'm like, these are top tier lines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I gotta um. Uh, say this first of all um, about Hondo. Maul says Hondo will not survive this unless he pledges himself. And 
I, I say to him, myself, Maul, you should really watch seasons one and f- through four of The Clone Wars. <laughs> Hondo survives literally everything. Yeah. Actually, you could take a lesson from him, because... Oh, yeah, I forgot about that! The leader of the Separatists. <laughs> I, I was editing footage of that, like, and, and he reaches for the belt, and he's like, oh, not there! <laughs> Takes his lightsaber off of a Sith Lord! Yeah, it's... Yeah. Um, uh, but, um... And he literally, he literally says later in the episode, And Hondo Onaka survives every time! And I'm like, yes you do. I don't know how you do it, but you do. Um. Yeah. Um. Devor, kind of without revealing the line, mm-hmm. is your favorite line his response, um, his response to learning that some of his, the members of his gang had left him? It is not. That is that okay. is a favorite Hondo line of mine, but it is not my favorite Hondo yeah. line ever. It's not my favorite line ever, and I'm really hoping it's uh, that both of ours are the fa- are the same because there's one that's just stays in my head rent free way mm-hmm. too much. But um, but I do have to bring it up. Traitors, scum! I'm so pleased to be trade. It's such a Hondo line. <laughs> Yeah, and I think, I think that's something that I like about Hondo, is that even though he's like totally just a, a pirate and he, you know, just trafficking spice, you know, whatever he's doing, just stealing random stuff, betray betrayal. Like he understands, he understands that that's what he's in it for. Yes. Yeah. So he's he's like strangely understanding. When like half his crew just decides to abandon him for someone that he's never even met before. But then again, you gotta, you like, gotta love that. but then again, he's like a group of uh, those horde crazies show up and they run off with my men, my men. That's true. <laughs> like, maybe, so maybe he's it at set, the same maybe time it completely in not understanding and understanding at the same time. There's so many hilarious lines in these uh, in these episodes. It's insane. Yeah. Oh, um, to steal another one of Jacob's points, and then I'll uh, pass it over to you two to uh, share your thoughts about any parts of this uh, beginning part on the forum. The Jedi really need better PR. Because, like, nobody in this episode knows what Maul and Savage are. <laughs> and, like, that's like, kind of troubling. <laughs> like, what are the Jedi doing? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> no one knows. Like, and, and, like, you know, like, I want to know, we're getting to this arc pretty soon. Um, Ahsoka's trial, was that publicized at all? Like, how was that seen? They're so bad at PR that, like, th- that the, the senators immediately go from thinking of them as the saviors of the Republic to, then Palpatine says, oh, yeah, they're all traitors, and they're like, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, there's a whole question in the, I guess, in the prequels and maybe by extension you could say earlier about like what exactly the Jedi are institutionally in the Republic. Like, it obviously, like particularly in the prequel era, it just gets very muddied and you're like, do they have a formal role in government? Are they just like some sort of outside advisory? It's very muddled. They seem to be many different things at many different times. They can just pick and choose at this point what they are, what they want to be at any given moment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, 
think the thing about the Jedi is that they're so, and we, and we kind of see that in this, where you know someone like Hondo, he really doesn't, he really doesn't care about the difference between the Jedi or the Sith. He's just like I've dealt with your, like he just steps up to Maul and he's like I've dealt with your kind before and I'll I'll deal with you again. I don't care who you are, which I think kind of, admittedly that is a very badass confrontational way to do it but that kind of embodies i think what it must be like for the for a lot of the galaxy you know where, where they don't maybe they don't see a lot of jedi they're not on coruscant they've never they've never seen the temple and and you know the jedi to them are, are are a pretty kind of mysterious mysterious force and i think for a lot of the um the galaxy doesn't know about the jedi they don't really care they're just like yeah just stay out of our way. Don't don't mess things up. And of course, the Jedi. They, a lot of the time, they really, really cannot help uh, messing messing with things. Absolutely, they cannot. Um, any thoughts for um, either of you about the beginning of uh, forum on revival? The only thing I would have to mention here is another great Hondo line here, which is his retort to Maul about, you are not the first laser sword wielding maniac I've had to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I, that, that, that is one thing that I love. I'm going to not try and harp, harp about Hondo too much. But one <laughs> of the things that I really, really like about him is his willingness to, you know, go toe to toe with these crazy powerful mystery wizards that are like running around constantly trying to to ruin everything for him i, I think it's yeah. It, yeah it's cool it's cool to see that especially given the powers that 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 are afforded to uh to force users in combat that he can actually step up like he had that whole thing with anakin in season one where he was actually on the tank fighting with him sparring with the lightsaber he had the um the electro staff that's kind of what i love about it well sometimes i think like he's just he's so far in it that he just like almost doesn't care he's like i'll I'll do anything to get what i want which is one of the reasons i love him so much um he's kind of reckless can relate Yeah, I think we can all relate to Hondo. Um, you know, we can all remember our mother saying to us, "Son, if one hostage is good, two is better, two are better, <laughs> and three, well, that's just good business." Yep. <laughs> oh, Hondo! Like, I want to see a, I want to see some kind of, some kind of spinoff about about Hondo's childhood. Hondo, that a Star be... Wars story. Yeah. Just like Han- just like Hondo and his mother going around having wacky adventures. It's it's it, uh, who cares about Lando? We don't need Lando at all. Just replace it with Hondo. <laughs> yep. I'm joking. I want Lando. I'm fine with Lando. I like Lando, but like, come on, you're right. It's right there. Um, let's see what else. Oh yeah, this is an- another thing that I I I found I find interesting about this episode and about this entire arc. Zero clone troopers, zero battle droids. For a show mm-hmm. called Star Wars The Clone Wars, um, uh, and we've mentioned this in previous episodes, of course, but it's fascinating how much time, especially this season, they spend away from the Clone Wars. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, I think this is a very this is a very good example of 
one one of the arcs where they kind of break out of the early season template mm-hmm. of of the Clone Wars, which is you know clones versus droids, obviously, and they really do something quite a bit different, and I, and I like that. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I, I love that. I those are my favorite arcs where they go beyond that stuff. That's why Massacre is one of my favorite episodes of the Clone Wars. Oh yeah, Massacre. Yeah, I, I really like it when uh, they kind of break away from that because it's like the Clone Wars is like one of my favorite like eras in Star Wars, and it just it shows like there's so much going on at this point in the galaxy that no one knows what's actually happening. Yeah, um, which is why yeah. everything falls apart, and I love that. Yeah, and it's I think it makes the to, world like anarchy as it is to like mm-hmm. as it is in the entire saga, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I think it makes the world a lot richer, also that they can kind of at this point in the Clone Wars go go beyond as as you Megan you realize like we're saying you know go beyond the clones really yeah. see everything that's happening. Or at least yeah. more different things. That's something that I really like. Do we want to get to the lightsaber duel between Darth Maul and Savage Press and Obi Wan yes. and Adi Galia? Please. Yeah. Which this duel is awesome. <laughs> really? Because it almost it does almost nothing for me. Why? Really? I take, I'm sorry. I take, Explain yourself. <laughs> so this is in contrast. I don't know. For me, lightsaber duels are really good opportunities, and I know Meg agrees with me on this one because she talks about an episode that's basically riddled with lightsaber duels for this exact purpose all the time. Um, uh, Lightsaber duels are good opportunities for me to learn a little bit more psychologically about the characters. How they fight indicates how they act. Um... And, you know, one of the best examples of that is Trials of the Dark Saber, where we get, like, Sabine's trauma, basically, um, in a series of lightsaber duels. Um, but I, I struggle with this duel especially to see what exactly we learn about these characters psychologically. Mm. That's just my opinion. Um, also, by the way, there's another reason I don't like this duel, and it's because Adi Galia dies. And it's not just that Adi Galia dies, it's the way she dies. You do, you're not a fan of the headbutt. I, I don't. I really didn't want Savage Press to kill anybody significant. Mm. I did not want that to happen. I don't like his character, and I think that's why. But like, <laughs> this is Adi freaking Galia here. She's a Jedi Master. She trained for years in the Jedi arts. She was on the Council. She was. Um. I. I also happen to know that at least this is true in Legends. I'm not sure in canon. Um, that she had contacts with the Chancellor. She is a an established Jedi Master, and she got taken down by some guy who got enhanced with Night Sister magic. Mm-hmm. Cool I story, mean, bro. I think this kind of, I, I kind of, I don't mind it because I think it, it, it just kind of serves to reinforce how much of a menace mm-hmm. Savage Depress really is and i think that if it wasn't for moments where he actually makes a, a real dent in the jedi i think if it wasn't for moments like that he would just kind of be like this very kind of unfulfilling mall 2.0 yes please give that to me 
as you said previously. <laughs> Don't have him do anything significant, please. Just have him be useless, because he is useless. What? No, man. God. Okay, well... And here we go! <laughs> we thought I was going to be the one catching flag this episode. But... Turns out, turns Y'all out were wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, what did what did you guys think about this uh, this duel? I thought it was cool. I mean, honestly, it looked really cool to me. Um, I like I I like seeing Obi Wan just like go up against like something that you think he couldn't survive, um, and he does. Uh, I just like Obi Wan dueling in general because I just every single time it just gets me um but like you know we were just talking about you know why this death was so significant and like just look at the way he reacts when it happens like that just yeah. so it shows you like how like being a jedi how much he genuinely cares about the other jedi yeah. and um that really stood out to me for some reason i never really like caught that the first time a couple times i watched it but yeah yeah i really i i agree with you in fact i i, I noticed um watching it that he actually that uh obi-wan actually goes for the kill on savage mm-hmm. like when he knocks him down he has a big overhand blow and it's only because maul blocks it that savage lives mm-hmm. and i thought that that was very out of character and, and i thought it showed the intensity mm-hmm. with which he fought yeah i think song. obi-wan knows yeah. what how much danger how much of a danger this guy is um, speaking of the danger this guy is, and maybe also the lack thereof, there's a move that he uses twice, Savage, in these four episodes. Once in, um, when he kills Adigalia, um, and once when he fights Sidious in the Lawless that I don't understand. I, I want people to explain it to me because I don't understand the logic of this move. By the way, I don't think it has logic, it's just such a weird move. The thing where he sticks his lightsaber in the ground and then activates the other blade up it's such a it's like a, it's like a it, it's it's like if you're striking down with your normal lightsaber except for it's a double-bladed lightsaber and then Sidious does that thing where he strikes the blade up above I don't know it makes no sense to me I think I think it's so weird but that's just me <laughs> I, I think it's cool I, I know you're not gonna like it because because it's small but per, yeah, personally it's not, I it's savage I thought, actually but whatever or um, it's 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 in that it's it's close and it's close enough to Maul. It, it's in the it's family. It's just it's in that vicinity. It's associated and and I heard what you said about Savage, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Like, that's true. By the way, I just realized something. When Mother Talzin was naming her children, she, did she give up at Savage? Maul, Feral, uh, uh, Savage. <laughs> yeah, you know, you wanted them all to rhyme. <laughs> it does seem a little weird that two of them rhyme and one of them doesn't. Yeah, I, I might feel a little, I might feel a little shortchanged if that was uh, if that was me. Not gonna lie. Then again, <laughs> one of them's uh, yeah. dead. Yeah, for oh gosh, I feel so bad for for all. Like that. <laughs> yeah. You guys remember for all? Remember that that happened? Remember he killed him in cold blood? Yes, I do remember that. Oh my gosh, for all, for all. 
R.I.P. to a real one. For <laughs> <our> <laughs> It was genuinely sad, and I thought it was genuinely sad, you know, seeing Savage Press go from, like, he lives in a violent, like, he definitely lives in a violent, very, uh, very warrior-centric society, but he clearly has a lot of, of love for his brother, and then he, he gets, he gets turned into a monster. Yeah. So, yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. to a real one, honestly. Like, turned into a what, all. Jacob? Turned into a what? A monster. Yes, no pun intended. Roll credits. Um, <laughs> what I am crazy about is Hondo's response to Adi Galia's death. Another Where's the other Jedi? <laughs> She's dead. I am semi-speechless. <laughs> oh, Hondo, Hondo is a menace in this one. He, he is... He is acting out a little bit. I, I have to watch this episode again because I like missed all of these lines somehow. <laughs> we just choose random weird fast. things to focus on. This episode's yeah. like straight up the Emperor's New Groove where the jokes just come at you and you're like still trying to catch up on the second joke by the yeah. time the fifth joke. <laughs> to quote that movie, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it's all coming together now. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... Yeah. yeah, the duel, amazing. I thought I, I loved. Um, and I think just seeing Obi Wan, you know, Meg, as you said, go up against those tough odds and and still come out mostly, mostly on top. I think, I think Obi Wan, in the movies, kind of gets a little shortchanged in terms of the duels. He always kind of gets sidelined because. The duels are big moments for Anakin usually. Mm-hmm. So this was, I thought this was very, uh, very cool to see. But I think we have to talk about that last scene with Palpatine. Oh no, we got to talk about so much more before then. That was yeah. Real- we we got to talk yeah. about what I believe is both Devor and my favorite line of, from Hondo in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that this line. Can you be Maul and I'll be Hondo? You will pay for your insolence. Insolence! <laughs> we are pirates! We don't even know what that means! Open that fire! My, my all-time favorite Honda line. It's so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it lives right free in my head so for so long. It's so hilarious. I, I remember like going into the episode. I'm like, oh, this is the we're pirates. We don't even know what that means episode. <laughs> I had a moment too when I was rewatching. I'm like, that's this episode. <laughs> it's the Leo uh, pointing at the screen. It's the from. Yes. Yep. Yep. This, <laughs> he said the thing. He said the thing. He said the thing. <laughs> it's such a it's such a hilarious line, and probably maybe not only my favorite Hondo line, but like probably the Hondo line I feel like most accurately describes his character. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. the other thing to mention, though, just to go back a little bit, back to the duel itself, is we should note, I think it is worth noting that in this duel, that Obi-Wan earns yet another arm-chopping merit badge. He oh, does. Yeah. Chops that is true. Off. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Another arm. How many arms? So he, he takes, he takes Anakin. to my collection. <laughs> no, he doesn't take he's Anakin. Anakin oh, yeah, he Vader's does. arm. He's got... He's got Ponda's arm, and he's, he's got, got all four of Grievous. And now he's got, and, and he has Savage's Savage. arm. Are, are we missing any? 
trying to think. <laughs> it's. I mean, he doesn't kill Maul by cutting off any of his arms, so. Nope. <laughs> I mean, arms, legs. Like, he gets yeah. the legs at least. Yeah. He he gets the legs of Anakin too. He gets both legs. Mm -hmm. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, Anakin is without a leg to stand on after that one. <laughs> no, he did not. Oh, oh actually, that is a joke. Actually, about Maul. Um, I know Devor has seen terrifying tales. Meg, have you seen terrifying tales? I have. Okay, I finally, people have seen terrifying tales. Jacob, you gotta watch terrifying tales. It's so good. It really is. Mm -hmm. It's a delight. <laughs> It's great. Um, uh, yeah, that Wookiee's Paw episode is... That Wookiee's Paw story is really strange, but I love it so much. <laughs> plus, plus, Christian Slater is Ren. Yeah, You're welcome, good. Earth. I'd also like to uh, briefly um, bring up uh, the great Kelly Knox, um, who is a Star Wars um, journalist on Twitter. Um, and I'd just like to say that... Um, those shots to Maul's mechanical legs at the end of the episode really split him. I bet he's really cut up about that. I imagine oh. that he feels like a bottomless pit. Oh. <laughs> that's too much. That Kelly, is, at is, me. DM me. That is just ruthless. That is, that is ruthless. Come on. Oh my gosh. I'm joking. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, um... Anything else with the Palpatine, uh, before the Palpatine Sidious conversation that uh, Jacob wanted to talk about at the end? No, not for me. No. Uh, yeah. Let's, Jacob, let's you wanted to get to that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a big fan of, of these, uh, these scenes in the Clone Wars where we can really see Palpatine's manipulation on full display, you know, all the time when he's I can't think of a specific example right now, but so many scenes where he's just completely pulling one over on the Jedi Council, or it's just it's so it's so clear from the viewer's perspective how he's completely like manipulating Anakin and 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 making kind of sending the message of oh I'm the only person you can trust Anakin I'm the only person who, who sees you for what you are things like that so I think I think it's I think it's really interesting how he uh he actually convinces everyone that like it would be selfish of obi-wan to be worried about about maul coming back and he's like oh no yeah. it's, a, it's a personal matter and then the fact that the kicker for me now I, I may be going back down the fall of the jedi rabbit hole but the kicker for me is how oh no this really shows this is such a complacent moment from the jedi it just made me go Ah, why are you doing this? You know, like, what did Yoda say? He says, when Maul reveal himself, Maul will eventually, and then swiftly we will act. That's not that's not good enough. Like, also, look where, that, look way, where that's spoiler, gonna, look where that's gonna get didn't. you with the Sith at large. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look where that's gonna get you with the Sith at large. So I thought that was an interesting. It just one of the, one one of these little installments in the 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 the, the never ending tale in the Clone Wars of Palpatine just manipulating everybody and, and completely getting away with it yep um i would i would just like to add to maul uh to all about that you know maul killed qui-gon jinn you don't just kill qui-gon jinn yoda remembers mace remembers anakin remembers 
I would even go to, as far to say Pepper Ridge Farms remembers. Um, <laughs> I had to, I learned that on my notes. So I'm like, I gotta say that one. Um, but like, but uh, everybody remembers that he killed a Jedi, and they're like, yeah, it's fine, it's whatever, whatever. You know? Yeah, um, they're they're surprisingly glib about. Yeah. Yeah, about this this like literally, you have found out a guy you thought was dead is back. And they're just like, yeah, just leave him. Like, no biggie. Like, it's fine. He's a pathetic crook, um, is what Talton yeah. says, I think. Um, yeah. This scene also, to me, has an unintentionally funny line, which is Obi-Wan telling Palpatine, the Sith are persistent, they will not die. Yes! <laughs> yeah, that, that was, I, I was also, I was, was just thinking... Good. I was. I just wrote down in my notes, speaking of that, Obi-Wan, I got a bridge to sell you about Darth Plagueis the Wine. You heard of him? Yeah, I didn't think so. It was not a story the Jedi would tell you. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I was... They, the, the Sith are persistent. They will not die. Flashes to the rise of Skywalker. The dead speak. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I, it's just made me think of like, hey Yoda, if you if you think that you don't need to do anything about Maul, I've got a, the son of an Onderanian prince who needs to use your bank account to move to move credits out of Onderan. <laughs> <laughs> so just give me your your bank number, Yoda. Come on. Like it's 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 kind of incredible, and I know I, I tend to to go on about the the Jedi losing their way and whatnot, but come on, no, this, this feels egregious. Like this feels like a lot. In eminence. Maul, Savage, they're freezing to death. They're drifting in an escape pod through space. None, none other than the Death Watch comes, picks them up, pieces them back together, and Maul and... God, how do I blank on names? Bad. Maul and Previsla, you know, they make a deal. They want to they wanna take over. They want to take over Mandalore. Maul's like, I can help you do that. Previsla's like, okay, I can help you, yada yada. Of course, both of them both of them obviously think that they're gonna double cross the other and and then just have their way, um, but they so they just go around, they they talk to some uh, some pikes, they talk to some black sun people, they talk to some huts, and yeah, that's kind of just it. The episode ends with, um, the episode ends with, uh, gosh, bear with me here as I blank on the name again the, the episode They're ends with previsla no the episode ends with previsla telling bo katan don't worry about it we're gonna stab these guys in the back and kill them anyway it doesn't matter yeah so that's pretty much this episode they're just they're, they're going around they're building up their their forces they're uh wheeling and dealing they're wheeling and, also and they're dealing doing a lot of killing as well <laughs> Yeah, so, um, the fortune the cookie, fortune cookie is one vision can have many interpretations. One vision can have many interpretations. I I do feel like this one's about like it's not about like literally the force vision though. Ironically, Maul on Mandalore in a different arc actually does have a force vision, or at least that's what he tells us. Um, but uh, it's about their visions for the galaxy, you know. Um, Maul has this vision for crime ruling the galaxy, and so does Previsla, a little differently. And so do the Pikes, a little differently. 
and so do the huts. Not at all, but they have a lightsaber to their throat, so a little differently. Um, you know. This is a nice way of, of saying that they all pretty much just want to use each other and then and then just, you know, leave the other person, the other group, leave them out to try, stab them in the back, whatever it is, the moment that it's expedient to do so. Absolutely. That, that was there kind is, of how I I felt I felt about it. There is that sense that like and we'll talk about this um in with the Fortune Cookie for the next episode, but there is that sense that dark side alliances just never work because they're not uniting around a common goal, they're reuniting around a common enemy. And once the enemy is defeated, yeah. like it just kind of falls apart. In this case, even before the enemy is is really defeated. As yeah. it will uh as it will come to pass. Um by the way, if nobody else has um, anything, um, I think we should just rip off the Band-Aid, honestly. What do you mean by that? What? Um, a certain purple armored Band-Aid um, that I'm sure we'll get a lot of talking about. Um, uh, so Death Watch finds Maul and Savage. Not just Death Watch. Uh, which member of Death Watch, specifically... That's right. I'm talking about Bo-Katan cries. Eli, I feel like I feel like I feel like you're just baiting me to to say something right now. <laughs> I feel. I'm not feel gonna like lie a little bit. I feel like you're try. I feel like you're trying to to get a disagreement going, but I don't know. Mm, I, don't, I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm trying to get a disagreement going. I just feel like we're gonna get to both sometime. Why don't we just do it now? <laughs> I mean. She she's there in this part. Oh God! No, no. <laughs> well, Jacob, you done it. I, I, like, I she has a bigger role later on. Watch this. It's just gonna yeah, break no, out I was actually I was joking. I was joking to I, I I think I was just thinking to myself before this. I'm like I can see my notes. I'm like I can see all of our notes. It's gonna be like um me. Oh my God, Bo-Katan's so awesome in this. Uh, Jacob, ugh, more Bo-Katan. Meg, oh my god, my queen, I love her so much. Devor, I'm... Devor, I'm just gonna avoid the firestorm. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean... Yeah. I, um, Megan, I will totally let you go off. I'm just gonna say... Th this episode, and specifically, actually, um, Shades of Reason sold me on Bo-Katan as a character. They sold me on her arc, especially Shades of Reason. They they sold me on her um her purpose and her determination and all of her characteristics. It sold me. I'm good. Good. <laughs> <sighs> okay. No, no, I'm I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I'm taking Just... a I'm taking deep breaths now. I mean, <laughs> for the for the first part of this episode. If you, if you want me to say something controversial, I don't I don't really know what I can give you here, because I'm not baiting you as much as you think I am. I'm really not. <laughs> are you sure? Are you are you really sure about that? I think you're overblowing this by quite a bit. Me? <laughs> what is happening? I, I would just say I would I will just say like we we 
we get there when Bo-Katan pops up in the story if we want to discuss Bo-Katan. I, I mean, I really think it's here that you start to uh, realize or understand that, like, very few people involved in what's to become of this conflict actually care about Mandalore, um, except for possibly Bo-Katan. Um, and, you know, that becomes more apparent later as her arc goes on. But, like, Maul doesn't care. Previsla no. doesn't yeah. care. No one has actual any interest in Mandalore itself. All they care about is power. And Bo-Katan admittedly is sitting back in this episode more because they don't have a lot to do with her yet, which is fine. But um, because she, you know, she's part of Death Watch, but does she necessarily agree with everything? No, and we see that later. She walks out because she realizes, you know, this is, I was really just going to say this is not the way. I didn't mean that. <laughs> I didn't mean it, but it came out anyway. Um, you know, the, the, and that's the thing about her growth is that she is in the background in these early episodes. And there's just a, such a shift in that later. I just love her so much. Yeah. What would you say, what would distinguish her from pre Vizsla? Because they both, at this point at least, they both seem like they're kind of true believers in, you know, the Death Watch cause, wanting to go back to the warrior society mm -hmm. that, that we understand Mandalore once was, you know. Very interested in the the former glory. How, do you, how would you say that Bo-Katan and, and uh, Pre Vizsla kind of differentiate themselves, I guess? Mm -hmm. I, I that's think something that I don't really see. Yeah, I mean, they're both on the same wavelength in that regard, um, and she's there for a while. I think the difference, at least that I see or that I interpret, is that he is in it specifically for being the one that holds the power, and um, she's kind of in it for, these are the ideals that I care about. I don't care how we get back to them. I just want them to be this way. I want back to their traditions. I want mandalore to be what mandalore is supposed to be that's where her head is at he's more mm. of like i just want to be in charge um and she'll get to a point where she is but that's not necessarily what her plan was so. yeah okay i can i can see that um i think i might have a, a little hot take for everybody here but i i'm gonna i'm gonna deliver it right here um meg you're gonna agree with this one actually i um, think um i'm 99 sure I think that of all of the characters, like, we have a stellar voice acting cast put together here. We have uh, Favreau with Vizsla. We have Lancey Brown as Savage Press, Whitworth as Maul. I think Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan is the best voice acted role in this arc, pretty much. Hey, I, right. I, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think... <laughs> Because if you think about this, I, I think about this too. I view this arc, weirdly enough, as her audition tape for The Mandalorian. <laughs> that That's what it is. That's an interesting... What, what did they have to look at for her performance? I mean, a friend in need, sure. But, like, she didn't, I don't think he had a name back then. It was this arc that basically got her into The Mandalorian before any other character from animation, including Ahsoka... In like at least in sequential order of when Mandalorian happens, gets into that series, mm -hmm. um, yeah. which I think is that's definitely an interesting take. 
I like it. Yeah. I approve. You're on my good side. Still. <laughs> Don't ruin it. <laughs> so here's the thing. Ochi is better. Ah, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm done. You know, it was nice talking to you guys. Ochi. Out. <laughs> I don't oh, even, Shadow I don't even Sith can't come soon enough. When, when Eli brings up Ochi. I genuinely don't know what to say at this point. <laughs> Just smile and wait. Yeah. Just... <laughs> I, I honestly just like, that's cool. I I am not in that deep because I have not been following the Ochi story and like picking up the, the pieces to put together whatever whatever Eli has got figured out at this point. He's a magical character, okay? <laughs> a magical character, all right. I mean, look, you, you don't need any more Shakespearean writing than I'm Ochi of Bestune, kickstore down. <laughs> don't need anything else. Is that in the is that in the Vader comic? Yeah, it is. Mm. Oh, yeah, this is weird. Did anyone else find it weird that Pre Vizsla drinks tea? <laughs> this is this is the leader of Death Watch, and he's played by John Favreau of all people. And he drinks tea <laughs> I, I i think it kind of it kind of it kind of makes sense to me you know they um i don't know it, it it just makes sense somehow that they're all about tradition and they're you know drinking tea and that, that feels somehow very prim and proper i don't know i find it more weird that maul just takes the cup and drinks it like you just like <laughs> yeah, well, met I... these people and they're clearly warriors <laughs> like you cross your mind like maybe they put something in it, like yeah, like how, well, then, uh, yeah, how is that I not just gonna make think, your stomach explode? You know, yeah. I would think he would use the force to detect like if they're lying or not. But again, that's just extrapolation. By the way, another thing about that scene: why is like the line "drink it's good for your health" in like seventeen Clone Wars episodes? <laughs> like, think about it. That line is in more episodes than you think it is. Really? It sneaks in there. It's like the it's this is the uh, uh, the one that one that goes to my head is when Dooku arrives on Dathomir and tells him gives him a drink, and she's like, "Yeah, drink that," and he's like, "Yeah, sure, <laughs> whatever." <laughs> you got a lock of my hair, which I'm sure you will do nothing bad with, but yeah, I'll drink this. <laughs> I think I think it just shows that Maul is is um you know as as we. As we said, he will, he will do whatever it takes to get power, and if that includes drinking some sketchy tea, he is he is probably all for that. <laughs> but wait, maybe the tea had um, what is it called? Uh, shoot, the um, what did they put in the tea in the uh, the other Mandalore arc? You know what I'm talking about. Um, the one that poisons yeah. all the kids. Oh, Slaven? Something like yeah. that? Slaven! Slaven! Oh my god, that's a pull where right I, there. Where am I going? I pulled that out. Where did that come from? What? I have no... That is impressive. <laughs> I have so many questions. <laughs> that is crazy. This arc is... Are two of the other... Um, Instances where um, 
things got censored on Cartoon Network. What? Oh, the, there was, the decapitation. Oh. Both of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, uh, Savage chucks his lightsaber at, like, six um, Black Sun guards, uh, Black Sun members, uh, senior members, and their heads all just fall off. Why they don't just, like, move to the side when they see he's doing that? Eh, who knows? But, um... Uh, but, and then, when Maul decapitates Pre Vizsla, we can see there's a shot in the peripheral where you can see his head rolling down the stairs. Oh my gosh. Um, and both of them were censored on Cartoon Network, um, uh, and the scenes were removed, but then added back on, uh, to the DVDs, and then eventually Disney Plus when it was released onto Disney Plus. So. Yeah. That's that. That's interesting. It's this arc that has like a few of. I think it's like this arc, and there's one more and something else. I think somebody cuts off somebody else's head, and is that the the Ahsoka move where she decapitates like the six Mandalorians at once? Oh yeah. I don't think it's that. No. Oh okay. Did, what, are you talking about which one? Which other scene was censored? Yeah, yeah I thought it was maybe that one. I think it was maybe maybe the scene where um. Like, uh, I think in one of the Camino episodes, Asajj kills a clone. Oh, yeah, and, like, oh, yeah that's it. Right. Imagine, like, impaling someone and then, like, planting one on him. As is, Like, that is depraved. <laughs> that is, By the way, like... the reason Jacob knows this, and I was counting on him to know this, is because you did, uh, like, a, a, a StarWars.com uh, episode guide on that, and you mentioned that. And I'm like, oh, I knew Jacob mentioned another one in the past episodes of In a Galaxy. I <laughs> don't know which one it is. I'm like, yeah, it's that one. It's it's the heads and then it's the kiss. In um, this is going to annoy me until I figure it out. Um, uh, clone cadets, arc troopers. Yeah. yeah Full disclosure: it. I looked it up, but arc troopers. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, um, arc troopers. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um. So yeah. Uh. Do we want to go to Nahuda? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. So they get the they get the pikes on their side. They get the black sun on their side. Um. Uh. And then they go to the huts, who are a little less cooperative. Namely, they bring, like, every bounty hunter in the galaxy who isn't Boba Fett or Bosk at this time, and it's just like, okay, have at it. Um, yeah. Anything for the two of you? I'll st we'll start off with the two of you. If anything to add for this one? Yeah, that's one of the things I was wondering, because, like, yeah, they show up to where the hut meeting is, and then, like, the bounty hunters, like, spring up from behind the table, and I'm like, are the bounty hunters just, like, standing there? Like... <laughs> Wait, I mean, is something to happen? Like, <laughs> what's going on? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, given that the huts, you know, they're. I, I can imagine them maybe being a little bit, a little bit paranoid. Right. So I could definitely, could definitely see that happening. Just have just paying them to sit there for days on end just just in case something like that ever ever happens also by the way um uh while we're on Nalhuda, we gotta talk about maybe one of my favorite meme lines of this arc specifically not including revival 
Where is Jabba? Uh, Tatooine! Tatooine! Palace! So the only thing you can tell me is that I will find Jabba at Jabba's palace. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Aruba the Hutt, man. Aruba the Hutt is a god, man. Like, he... He did his best. You know, he was really trying. <laughs> he did the best with the information he was given. You can't fault the guy. Yeah. If you were face-to-face -face with Molly, you would say the same thing. Yeah. You have to yeah. say it again? R.I.P. to a real one. Oh, uh, yeah. R.I.P. to a real one. I'm just now imagining, like, uh, by the way, um, uh, thank you both, by the way, um, you have now successfully, Jacob, unless you object, Star Wars in a Galaxy, episode 66, R.I.P. to a real one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of, there are a lot of real ones who go down <laughs> in this episode. Or in in this arc, I'm doing know, we it. Haven't even, I'm doing we haven't it. Even gotten to me. Savage and I we haven't this. even gotten. We, we haven't even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you brought this upon yourself, Devor. I, I did. You really did, as I so often do. <clears throat> yeah, can't stop me. I will also just add another thing about this episode that I think is fascinating. Darth Maul is fighting Dengar. Savage Press is fighting Embo. Is this like a weird like what if scenario? <laughs> like whoever would have thought that like we get be five seasons into a show about droids fighting with clones and Darth Maul would be fighting Dengar. <laughs> like did that strike anybody else as really strange? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, uh, anything else anybody has for eminence before we go on to the Shades of Reason? I, I did have a moment as I was watching, like, um, you know, when, when they do mention about going to Jabba's palace, like, I had a flashback to... I don't know whose line it was. I think maybe it was Jacob's about like, why does everyone want to go back to Tatooine? <laughs> them, they're going back to Tatooine. Yeah, yeah, that that it was one of us. I do remember we were both ranting at a certain point about like why do every time they have to go to a desert planet they go to Tatooine <laughs> or apparently Florum? Yeah. Now we've discovered. Yes. Um. I. Uh, no, it's really strange. Um. Honestly, it's I. At this point, it was just like, yeah, they're going back to Tatooine. I'm just accepting at this point. <laughs> There's nothing I could do about it. They're going to go back to Tatooine no matter... They're, like, like even... We're in Visions now, and we get an episode literally called Tatooine Rhapsody. I'm like, I give up. I give up. <laughs> You're going to bring us to Tatooine any chance you get. The, the yeah. thing about um, Tatooine... Is that you're always going to like the same like three places on Tatooine? Like if we're gonna yeah. keep going back to Tatooine, can we go to like somewhere on Tatooine we've never been? This like, is why a lot I like the Tatooine. Marshall. It's a whole planet. This is why I like the Marshall because it yeah. actually takes us takes us to places that we've never been. I, sorry, it actually takes us to places that we've only been in non-canon video games. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say never been, but then I realized, oh yeah, we're there in Kotor. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. 
I'm like, why is everybody go getting so excited about this KOTOR remaster? We already got a KOTOR remaster. It's called the Marshall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, anything else from anybody about Eminence? Or should we go on to Shades of Reason? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. In Shades of Reason, the plot moves to Mandalore. Um, Death Watch and Darth Maul and um, Savage and their forces go to Mandalore and they hatch their brilliant plan. Basically, the criminals will stage attacks on the civilians and then the Death Watch will rescue them, making them saviors in the Mandalorian people's eyes. This plan works to shocking effectiveness. Um, and then Vizsla rallies the Mandalorian public um, to his side um, by saying, you know, where has pacifism gotten you now? Uh, Satine and her government are weak and ineffective to stop this. And a, um, and uh, they successfully get the will of the Mandalorian people on their side. Um, Satine and then and her government kind of just then let them take over. Um, it's it's a little strange, but um, uh, and then they put Satine in jail, uh, and then uh, finally Previsla then turns on Maul, locking him and Savage up in jail. They break out and they're like, "Let's go on a little tour of the facility. Let's see who our new puppet's gonna be." Um, and they decide. Olmec is a good idea, because um, Satine says, like, he's one of the most corrupt and vile um, people you'll ever meet. And they're like, so just our kind of guy. Um, and <laughs> anybody else, like, that scene is so ironic for so many reasons. It's just like, like that. Th this guy is so terrible. And, and Satine, I'm like, Satine, you're talking to two of the most terrible people in the galaxy right now. That's what they're looking for. Um, but anyway, uh... So then, Maul breaks out, and then he honor-duels Vizsla. Um, not for long, though, because off goes Vizsla's head, and off goes the head of the Death Watch. Um, now Maul's in control, now Maul has the Darksaber, um, uh, Bo-Katan and her forces rebel against that, uh, and say they're all, and say they're all traitors. Maul says, unfortunately for you, history is not gonna see it that way, uh, in one of the most f famous memes from this uh, arc, and then um, Olmec takes the stage and he's like, Satine, the person who's never fired a blaster at anybody to harm anybody in her life, she's the one who killed Previsla. <laughs> totally. Makes total sense. Foolproof logic. Um, uh, and then um, and then that's how the episode ends, with them completely taking over Mandalore and just waiting for Obi-Wan to take the bait. Or as I should call this episode, Shades of Unreason. Because everybody's just so incredibly dumb in this episode. <laughs> it's Maul with his genius plan, and then it is literally everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and even Maul's plan only works until Sidious finds out. Mm-hmm. Actually, it fails even before then, but I digress. Um, uh, Fortune Cookie is Alliances Can Stall True Intentions. As we were talking a little bit about um, for the last episode, you know, uh, I think I said this for another uh, episode of In a Galaxy. There can be no, there are more of us on the dark side. Yeah. yeah. There are more of us, Poe, does not work if it's on the dark side. It, it does not work. Um, because, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, like, 
you know, the First Order and the Final Order in Rise of Skywalker, or the Separatists, uh, the Separatist leaders, and then the Separatist Council in the Clone Wars, or the Empire, and then the Sixth Bounty Enters in the original trilogy era. Um, none of them end that well, because none of them were about friendship. They were about common enemy ship. Yeah. Um, any, anyone else or about that fortune cookie alliances can stall true intentions? I mean, the entire Crimson Dawn is just one long stall for everyone involved. Like, all the criminal groups are obviously thinking, this psycho mall just came in and took us over. Like, we just want to get out of here as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, Maul and Vizsla, you know, their, their goals no longer really aligning all that much. At this point, you know, Maul wants to build an empire. Vizsla, he just wants to, to chill out on Mandalore once he's a kind of consolidated power there. Yeah, exactly. I think it's it's a great fortune cookie that kind of fits with this episode and what's going on because you even have that point where and Jacob was alluding to it, where Maul was talking about like, oh, we can use Mandalore as a base to get like the other systems and get control of them. And Vizsla's like, I don't care about the other systems. Like, I just want Mandalore. Like, forget it. Um, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, like, they have this momentary alliance to to take over Mandalore, but for Vizsla, like that's the end of the road. For Maul, that's just a means to an end. And it's like it takes a while. Like they form this alliance, and it kind of takes a while for it to realize that like they have just two totally different goals in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, this episode is such a strange one for me, and it's, it's an interesting one for me specifically because there are two sides to this episode. There's what the average Mandalorian citizen sees, and then there's what Maul sees. Because none of it's real. Yeah. This is all just a scheme to get the Mandalorian people to be... Um, to not like Satine and to like Vizsla. It's basically a very sped-up version of what Palpatine does. Exactly, yeah. Um, there's the line that I was thinking about. Uh, George Lucas was describing his inspirations um, for the original trilogy, and he says, Wait for it. I'm trying to find it. Democracies aren't overthrown. They're given away. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody just comes in and says, I'm taking over the government. The government is... In this case, and in also the case with um, with the Senate in uh, Revenge of the Sith, uh, Palpatine does 16 other things before he gets them to give away democracy. Emergency powers, and the war, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he doesn't go for the kill straight yet. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Um... I also like the pre-Vizsla also um, taps into like a lot of tribalistic stuff, you know. Um, we are better than them. We are Mandalore. And we're going to let no one stop us. Yeah. I mean, us, that's definitely, we are better than them. I think that's obviously kind of the vibe that, that, he, that he wants to get back to mm -hmm. for Mandalore. So I'm not really, I'm not entirely surprised. I mean, I'm completely unsurprised that he's kind of pushing pushing that narrative. And I'm honestly surprised that he wouldn't also 
sign on to Maul's whole idea of expanding and being an empire, given that, like, traditionally, man, part of part of the Mandalorian warrior culture, as I understand it, was going out and conquering other other planets and other systems. So that that does that actually confuses me a little bit. Why all of a sudden? Or it's not all of a sudden, but in this case, he's just not really having that. As I was watching the beginning, I couldn't remember because I knew I'd heard it on a Star Wars podcast. I couldn't remember what podcaster said it. I had a brief moment where I thought, like, maybe I heard it from you guys, but like, the people of Mandalore do seem really couple. <laughs> like, they do in that Absolutely. scene when they like when like Satine is looking out of the crowd, and then like Pre Vizsla just like flies in and is like, "This is because of Satine." Like, we can see them, and they're all just like, "Yeah, Death Watch." Like, they just seem like really easily persuadable. Yeah, yeah. that definitely. I was definitely a little skeptical of that <laughs> story. They, they were, they're just like, oh, no, it's this, it's that. Like, like when the Death Watch just flies in, then you hear all the crowd just say, like, they're saving us. We're saved. They're saviors. <laughs> yeah. They're going to save Mandalore. Mandalore yeah. has been saved by the saviors of the Death Watch. <laughs> it's, like, it, it's like, come it, on, come on. It That's seems what it ridiculous. Like. It seems ridiculous, and I think it is quite ridiculous. However, I would point out the litany of ridiculous things that people are believing these days, and then it seems a little less crazy. That's a, good, that's a fair point. <laughs> I was yeah, going to say, like, um, part of me wonder if it's, wonders if it's just, like, they're at a point, you know, all the stuff is going on in the galaxy at this time. Will they just go for anything that's not the way that things have been for a while? Like, they hear, like, oh, someone else is going to take over. Things are going to change. Like, maybe they just don't care what the change is. They just don't want it to be the way that it is anymore. There is that thought yeah, I, I had. Mm -hmm. um, go ahead, Jacob. No, sorry. I, I would definitely say, Meg, to what you were saying. I think you're onto something. Because this definitely reminds me of, historically at least, whenever, like, countries, societies are very vulnerable to strong men, leaders mm -hmm. taking over um, whenever there's a lot of political upheaval and, and economic struggles. And I think that's what we're seeing here. Like, we know that Mandalore has been, has been struggling, you know, obviously the black market problems with Almec and the Slaven. So I think that they're definitely kind of desperate for someone who can, who can make the promises to restore them, to basically restore them to their former glory. Yeah. I, what I was going to say, to Meg's point, and I agree with you, is there's that line when M M Maul um, talks to the pirates in Revival. I was getting tired of Hondo anyway. And there's part mm. of me that kind of thinks that they're, that that's kind of floating like they're like, yeah, we're kind of tired with Satine anyway. We don't like her much anymore. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like the idea that, I know this is an idea in Legends that like a Jedi mind trick only can work better the more somebody wants to do what you already want them to do anyway. Mm -hmm. It's much harder yeah. to do a Jedi mind trick on somebody to convince something if they're not already wanting it themselves. Mm. Um, yeah, um, and I think that applies here. Um, yeah. There, there's a, there's a, when Vizsla takes over, there's this face that he makes when he's glaring down at the crowd and they're screaming his name out loud. I've seen that face before. That is the face of a man who is drunk with power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. It is 
it it's a it's haunting honestly it's Mm -hmm. i it's crazy um yeah uh by the way i do think before i realized the whole before i remember the whole grand plan debate obi-wan i did think them locking up satine was a little strange to be completely honest i'm like okay you're locking up the former prime minister the former duchess of mandalore for the crime of having a governing style that you disagree with (laughs) (laughs) cool Um, but then I realized, oh yeah, they're trying to beat, beat Obi-Wan, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. not, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I do feel like, um, I, I don't know if this might have been a little too much for some people, but I, I do feel like, um, there should have been, uh, as, as, uh, Satine walks away from the crowd who are cheering, cheering Vizsla's name, uh, uh, she'd go, so this is how Liberty dies. <laughs> Thunderous <laughs> applause. <laughs> Oh, god. oh my god! Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it seems like if if ever there was a moment, you're right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm still. Yeah, um, yeah. It it reminds me when when um when uh when Vizsla is talking about how Satine has brought Mandalore to ruin. It reminds me of that line from Revenge of the Sith, which I'm sure. Devor, because I see, I feel like you have like just all of Palpatine's lines from that movie memorized. <laughs> you probably know this line that I'm about to say. The remaining Jedi will be hunted down and defeated, and all the senators around them just like cheer. Yeah, it's chilling. Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely. like y- you served along these people. They they helped you. You helped them. And now they're being hunted down and defeated, and you're clapping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, uh, anything else before um, the climactic fight at the end? No, not not really. Um, so I'll I'll just say this before, um, Jack. Do you have anything else, or do you you want to go? Along oh, to I, I I thought the climactic fight. You know, we, yeah, we gotta get there. It's pretty good. We gotta, we gotta get there. It is actually, in contrast to what I said about the revival fight, I actually do really like this duel. I think it's perfect in so many ways. Um, first of all, I do like how many um, terrible, aggressive things uh, happened uh, when uh, Satine was uh, was Satine was ruler of Mandalore in that throne room. It's zero. Mm-hmm. There are three fights. In three seasons, in the throne room alone. Yeah. Uh, how is uh, Almec asks Satine in prison? How is peace serving you now? I would turn the tables on them. How is violence serving you now? Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I love this. I love. I always see. I love. I always love seeing. I was about to say. I, I wonder if they really like um, this. And I realize. Oh yeah somebody does really like this i'm like i really love seeing the dark saber in action and i'm like i'm preaching to the choir here good job eli um you should go off you should go off on how great the dark saber is in this scene i mean it's proof once again that this is not only a a powerful weapon in terms of what it symbolizes but just a powerful weapon as a weapon um 
but you know it depends on who's wielding it and like what they want what they're going after and like what they're willing to do to get what they want and like if you're not um it's just so cool guys <laughs> it is it's just so cool it is it is most excellent my favorite um, shot probably in this episode is when Maul has the Darksaber in his hand and he ignites it and it splits oh, yeah. his face. <gasps> oh yeah, that's just at the very end. Bro, I honestly think that the best the best moments of this of this of this scene of this duel are not the actual fighting, but it's when it's the moments when Maul gets his lightsaber back and he ignites that, and you just see the fury. The just utter yeah. So much like indignation and rage about the situation that's just been cooked in this dark side furnace, and now it's just pure lumps of hatred coal, basically. It's just refined to the most basic dark side form. And then of course the moment when he when he when he gets the dark saber, when he actually takes the dark saber. I'm sorry, uh, it's Devor, just by the way, your title, your excellent title idea has now been contested by Pure Lumps of Hatred Cold. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, I, I still like, I still like the, um, Rip to a real I still one. like R.I.P. to a, a, real, a one. real one. R.I.P. to all the real ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes words come out of our mouth, and we don't understand what they mean until we say them. That is yeah. Pure Lumps of Hatred Cold for me. I mean, he said dark side furnace, and I was like, where is he going with this metaphor? I feel like I've, I've, I didn't even, I did not come up with that metaphor. I've definitely heard that in a Star Wars book, talking about the, the, the furnace of the dark side. Maybe it was, maybe it's Mace Windu talking about Vapod or something. I'm not, That I'm sounds not like the, sure. from, from the book of Sith, which is like, by the way, yeah, it if was Jacob ever the, needs to reference book any book on this show, he will reference the book of Sith. Or the Jedi <laughs> Path. Or the Jedi Path. You, I don't know what his fascination know with books. But yeah, the, the Book of Sith and the Jedi Path. You gotta love them. Yeah. Uh, actually, I, I, my favorite of those is not actually either of them. My favorite of those, do either of you have the Rebel Files? I do not. No. Rebel I... Files is good. It's, can it's the only one that's canon out of all of them. It's um, like... So wait, I, wait, Rebel Files is actually canon? Yeah, so Rebel Files well. is canon. And it deals with events from Rebels and Rogue One, all that kind of stuff. Oh. So, yeah, it's it, it, it's it's basically an account. Uh, it's an account from uh, Mon Mothma's assistant Henry Underholt of the formation of the rebellion, uh, and the uh, the Galactic Civil War. Hmm. It's pretty cool. Anyway, um, I also like this. Um, the, um, did anybody hear? I'm sure Meg, you probably heard this because. This is from Trials of the Darksaber, actually. Um, as as soon as um, uh, Maul defeats Pre Vizsla, I hear in my head, history lesson. The Jedi won the war with Mandalore. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't. It's unfortunate for Mandalore. They have tricks like these will save your life a few times, maybe win a battle or two, but they're not a long-term strategy. I mean, that is exactly that Kanan quote. Is exactly what happens, you know. Previsla, he's got he's got all the gadgets, but yeah. in the end, yeah. Maul just over Maul just overcomes all that. Oh, I I gotta recover from Trials of the Dark Saber 
quotes really quick. I'm fine. <laughs> it's such, oh, you gotta it's recover so as fast as Ezra recovered from those van braces. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that I know that episode so well. Um. Uh. Let's see. Uh. Yeah. Um. Uh. Uh. I love this too. Um. When after. Um, Previsla's head falls to the ground. We get probably one of my favorite moments from Bo-Katan in this entire arc. No. No outsider will ever rule Mandalore. These are Mandalorian traditionalists. And they're defying their own tradition. They've been pushed far enough to defy the thing that keeps them ticking, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think that's it's, it's a crazy move, but I think it's it's built up so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I got all, like on this last rewatch of like to prepare for this. Like, I had never thought of it before, but like watching that that whole scene, a whole duo, it gave me like major Black Panther vibes. It's basically like that scene. I mean, it's it's, it's Black Panther. Both of them were Killmonger. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it's the whole absolutely. thing like Killmonger showing up, challenging T'Challa to the fight. Then he takes over. Then it's like, who's loyal? Who's not? He's the outsider you know making the claim to the throne and all that like it's all of that stuff it's a lot of that kind of thematic similarity yeah i also yeah i want to bring this up again too because i just still struggle to believe this why of all people does Olmec say satine killed vizsla everybody just goes along with that i don't understand why it's just i satine, think it's just scapegoating i understand i understand that but like you know Think about it logically for a second, Mandalorian citizens. As Devor was saying, like, do these people even think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a little. It, maybe it's yeah. a little questionable. Yeah. Satine, notorious pacifist. I guess for me, like, that's the reason why it's it might be so shocking to them, is that she yeah. would never do that. And so, what better way to like shock them into believing it than? saying that that's what she did yeah, yeah that's a good point like, that makes a lot of sense. if it's someone so great if it's so unbelievable mm-hmm. it might how just could be it true. how could it not be true or yeah if it's so yeah. unbelievable it might just be true so I, I think you may be i think you're definitely onto something with that actually um but yeah it's what else, what else do we have for for shades of reason like yeah i think where does it? Where did I can't remember I when it actually ends. It ends with um, uh, with Maul telling Almec, "Go, rule my people," which is one of the most that's that's a great ever. Yeah, yeah. I cannot I cannot imagine Bo Katan would be um would be would be happy about that. Yeah, and I mean, for someone like her to see Mandalore getting taken over by an outsider, um. The fact that it's done through traditional ritual combat must only add insult to injury. Oh yeah, yeah, for her. Yeah, so definitely see her. I mean that that obviously comes back in, in Clone Wars season seven, but that's definitely an interesting an interesting moment where she kind of has to confront. Well, what what do I do when the traditions lead to a bad outcome? 
So I think before we head on to the lawless, I think we should mention, um, Devor, you set us up very nicely for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about Ian Abercrombie. Mm. R.I.P. to a real, a real one. one. Literally a real Bro, one. This is mm. the lawless is his. The lawless is Abercrombie's final voice performance in Star Wars: The Clone Wars before his death. And who who did he um, uh who did he voice? Palpatine. Oh really? Wow. Wait, I just realized something. Oh my god, I should nick. Oh, this just came to my head. So he's uh, taken over. The role of Palpatine is taken over by uh, Tim Curry, um, who is trying to, his best in the last two seasons to do a Ian Abercrombie impression. Mm-hmm. So basically, you know what that means? The dead speak. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh my god. god. Wow. Somehow, it was great. Palpatine returned. It was great talking <laughs> with all of you. It was a great time. I know. Oh god. <laughs> wow. Apparently, my my mission in this episode is just okay. How many times can I bring up the rise of Skywalker? <laughs> <laughs> Too many. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyone? Yeah, no, no, no. People want to get onto the lawless. Uh. All right. So I'm up to yeah. give the synopsis, right? All right. The yeah. lawless, my favorite episode of the Clone Wars. Excited about this one. So, the episode starts. We find Satine is imprisoned and she is broken out by none other than her quote-unquote nephew corky grease i was gonna go with <laughs> son <laughs> um along with bo katan they end up escaping the prison and they attempt to flee mandalore they are chased down by the death watch and once they are at the the, the dock the shipping yard or whatever it is Satine manages to send out a distress message out to Obi-Wan to let him know that Mandalore, that basically her rule has ended and that she's been overthrown. We end up going to Coruscant where the Jedi basically get this transmission and you've got Yoda and Kiani Mundi there and then they bring in Obi-Wan and then they basically start talking about whether or not they should intervene, Obi-Wan actually is pushing to get involved. He's talking about, like, well, like, Satine has fallen. Like, we can't just let Mandalore get taken over by, you know, by these criminal factions. And you know, Yoda and Keanu Mundi will probably talk about this more in the main part. You know, they're citing all of the various political issues, the fact that Mandalore is a neutral system. And so, therefore... The Jedi can't intervene without approval for the Senate, and the Senate's not going to, you know, they're not going to ratify aid to a neutral system. And so Obi-Wan, in defiance of that, ends up leaving for Mandalore, taking the Twilight. Uh, He ends up landing there. He uh, dons some Mandalorian armor, which we will also talk about. And he ends up uh, going and breaking out Satine a second time, but they end up basically trying to go back to escape and they try to get on the Twilight, but then the Twilight is shot down. Once again, R.I.P. to a real one. R.I.P. to a real one. Um, yep. I want to I wanna point out, by the way, before you continue, mm-hmm. two Star Wars tropes. Ship gets destroyed, <laughs> dressing up as the enemy. Go on. Yes. Yes. And it is at that moment that Obi-Wan discovers that Maul is in fact behind all of this 
and they are taken to the throne room where basically the two of them kind of have a back and forth about the dark side and its temptation and its power and all of that. And of course, as we all know, that is at that moment that Maul decides that he wants to inflict on Obi-Wan the same pain that he had been feeling ever since his defeat in their duel in Naboo. And he ends up murdering Satine, and Satine ends up dying in Obi-Wan's arms. Yet again, RIP to a real one. <laughs> Satine agrees. Keep going and, with that. You're going to be doing yes. that. Like, it, 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 hey, everybody, uh, take a shot for every time. And Obi-Wan is you know, taken away to uh, basically, you know, live with his suffering because Maul decides that he doesn't want to kill him. He just wants to, he wants him to kind of endure with all the pain that he has inflicted on him. Ultimately, though, Bo-Katan, you know, breaks Obi-Wan out of prison and they end up escaping and there's all of this fighting in Bedlam that is ensuing on Mandalore. And as all of this is happening, Palpatine is back in Coruscant in his office, sensing all of this through the Force. And basically orders his ship to get prepared because apparently he uses official chancellor craft for his Sith business. Like, I don't know. But uh, as, as all the fighting is happening, he ends up arriving on Mandalore and makes his way to the throne room and has a fairly epic confrontation with his former apprentice and his former's apprentice I apprentice. I wouldn't even call it a confrontation, but I digress, go on. Yeah, we, 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 will, we will talk more about that duel, I am sure, including a, uh, to borrow a, a phrase from you, Eli, a slight logistical issue I have with that duel, but we will get to that. Ultimately, the two of them are both defeated. Savage is taken out. All right, Peter. Peter, real one. Savage oppressed. And Maul is not killed, but he is defeated. And inflicted upon with a torrent of force lightning and Sidious assures him that he is not going to kill him, that he is in fact has other uses for him and the scene, the episode basically ends with him force lightning maul and that is the lawless that is an episode first of all yes it's it's funny because I remember specifically when he kills Satine I've like checked the, ep I checked the episode timer on the episode I'm like we're halfway done with the episode. This feels like the conclusion of an episode. Right. It's so weird. Uh, this episode is paced so interestingly and not like other Clone Wars episodes. Um, the fortune cookie is... Uh, the fortune cookie is... Morality separates heroes from villains. Which I don't really feel like is a fortune cookie for the lawless as much as it's a fortune cookie for Star Wars. Yeah. Um... To quote Maz Kanata, and I have to do this because I love this quote, and it's going to all bring all of you back to this great little miniseries. The choices we make, the actions we take, moments, big and small, shape us into forces of destiny. Um, yeah. By the way, rip uh, Force of Destiny, RIP to a real one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. 
Take a shot. Yep. <laughs> oh my god. Uh. <laughs> anyway, uh, but like you know, it's the choices we make that of how to act that determines whether we're good or bad in the cosmic sense of things. You failed, your highness. I am a Jedi like my father before me. Ray, Ray, who? Ray Skywalker. I pledge myself to your teachings. I will do whatever you ask. Just help me save her life. Um, all those are based on choices that people made to shape who they are. Um, also, I love how Maul is just like, so I'm going to kill Satine and Obi-Wan's going to break, right? That's going to happen, right? And Obi-Wan's like, nope, I'm better than you. I'm not going to break. And, Obi and Maul's like, oh... Well, that wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Kenobi ruining my plans all over again! <laughs> he, he wasn't really... It did seem like he wasn't really prepared for Obi-Wan to just, like, absolutely bat him down. Yeah. He thought that was going to be the thing. Yeah, he... he yeah. He, he wasn't ready. <laughs> he was not ready. This is where this the, the boulder starts rolling back down on Sisyphus. <laughs> Sorry, Maul. Um, yeah. Um, any thoughts down. about the fortune cookie? Morality separates heroes from villains. No, not <laughs> not particularly. I I don't think this one. This one kind of just feels like a truism. Mm. It does. So, it's it's not really unique to this episode. I think. To be completely honest with you, I was shocked that this was a fortune cookie, let alone the fortune cookie for the lawless. Like, of all the episodes, yeah. morality separates heroes from villains, really? That's it? I don't know, anyway. Um, uh, uh, anyone's thoughts about the beginning of the episode? Um, I have something, but I'll, I'm gonna just leave it to Somebody else to open the conversation. But, um, let's see. Or I can just do it anyway. Um, I, I don't, why don't you, why don't you start it off? Okay. I was just, I just like this. Obi-Wan, I need your help. I know I'm <laughs> a sucker for callbacks, apparently. But come on, it was right there. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Yeah. <laughs> it was right there. Yeah. You just mm -hmm. had to say it. Uh, to remind us that, yes, this saga with, like, Satine Kreis and Darth Maul is somehow the same saga as Luke Skywalker and R2-D2. Don't ask how. Just know that it is. Um, six degrees it out. Um, yeah, um... Also, Devor, you mentioned about the Mandalorian armor that Obi-Wan uses. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the other armor that he uses. Reiko Hardeen's armor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm like, oh, I love that. There's a little callback. He's using Reiko Hardeen's armor. I'm like, I wonder if he told anybody on the way. Like, oh, wait, who are you? Oh, I'm Reiko Hardeen. <laughs> wait, wasn't Reiko Hardeen... Uh, what, didn't he, wasn't he the one who murdered that Jedi? Oh yeah, long story. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, and also the twilight blows up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, does anybody else forget that that's in this episode? Yeah. Yeah. There are like sixteen other things going on in this episode, but like the twilight blows up. 
Like, at least with the Razor yeah. Crest in Mandalorian, they, like, pause for a second and really let you process the fact that they just blew up the main ship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Twilight's just like, yeah, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, one last thing, uh, and I'll open it up backhand. Um, why does Obi-Wan not know who Satine's sister is? He was on Mandalore with her for a year. They, like, fell in love. How does he not know? This is why we need this story. Where is it? We need all of this explained. Yes. Yeah, I've I've heard a certain somebody wants to do that. Um, (laughs) So... Someday. Just, like... Go with. I, I have I have some I have some still some ideas in my head about um, what Ochi was doing in between uh, six and seven, uh, but apparently uh, Adam Christopher is gonna run in that with that and say uh, no thanks. Um, but that's fine. I'm sure his ideas are gonna be good. To go like a little bit back, like him first arriving, and then also that scene where he's you know talking with Yoda and Kiadi about getting involved and such, like. I mean, there's a couple of things happening there. Like one is, of course, and we've talked about this a little bit earlier in this episode, but it's like the, you know, the, we get a little bit more of like the political Jedi and the way that they're kind of negotiating, you know, the, the kind of morals values thing versus like the raw politics of like, what can we do? And we have to go to the Senate and, and all of that. And like, you're seeing some of that. I, but I also do have like, there's a, I have a little bit of like frustration with Obi-Wan here. And it's mainly like, just, you know, his, in the context of his larger, you know, story in the prequels, and then, like, particularly his story with Anakin, which is, like, he gets this, like, direct order from Yoda saying, like, we can't intervene, like, we can't get involved. Then it's immediately, like, cut to him leaving, you know? And it's, like, I think about, like, I think about that scene in Attack of the Clones, like, when him and Anakin are on the gunship, and Anakin's, like, ordering them to turn around, and he says, he straight up says to Anakin, like, don't let your personal feelings get in the way. If Padme were in your place, what would she do? Yeah, here he is, like, straight up defying the Grand Master of the Jedi Council and, like, doing his own thing. And even, like, he has this line when he breaks out Satine when he's still, like, in the Mandalorian armor and she says, like, oh, come to do more of your master's bidding. And he says, I do my own bidding. I do my own bidding. If Anakin did any of that shit, like, you would not tolerate any of that. Like, him saying stuff like that, doing stuff like that. So I just think about, like, I like I see stuff like that, and I just think about, like, the missed opportunities to, like, have a real, like, heart-to-heart with Anakin about, like, the tensions between being a Jedi and those duties and then, like, your own emotions. Because Obi-Wan is dealing with that also, and he sees it reflected in, like, with Anakin and with Padme. And it's like, he has personal experience with that, like, and just never, like, to, to the extent that we know of doesn't really engage with that and basically being like, I get what you're going through. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I was just thinking um, about Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship with that and about, you know, don't let your personal feelings uh, get in the way. That scene when Obi-Wan rescues Satine is portrayed as a badass moment. Mm-hmm. Is portrayed as like, oh, he's here to save the day. Cut to a season later when Padme's been imprisoned by the banking clan. 
Um, and Anakin comes to rescue her. Now, Anakin actually goes on a bit of an abusive tear then, but... And by a bit, I mean such an abusive tear that I, I have full theories about that kind of stuff, but, like, notice the differences. They're both walking to save the women they love. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's heroic. Anakin is almost ominous. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because Obi-Wan's gonna stay a good guy, and Anakin's mm-hmm. not, so we need to show that somehow, I guess. Right. It just seems like a weird inconsistency there. Um, but yeah. Um, you want to get to the death? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So let me just back up and say, um, I don't know if either of you saw, I made that edit of all the Clone Wars episodes um, with the music mm-hmm. behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent days on that weird project, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so... The one I did for this episode, I linked up um, Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You to the moment where um, Maul stabs Satine. Uh, hmm. Talk about making a scene more heartbreaking than it needs to be. Yeah. Um, I, I, I literally just paused there after I finished editing that clip and I'm like, I am a monster. What have I done? <laughs> There's yeah. Anakin in, in Palpatine's office. What have, what I, have done? I done? <laughs> You're fulfilling your, your... Like... You're fulfilling your destiny, destiny? Anakin. Oh, God. <laughs> um, oh, Anakin turning into Darth Vader, I will go again. R.I.P. to a real one. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Was that me trying to force it in? Yes. But do I care? No. Um. Uh. Anyway, but yeah. Uh. Uh. Yeah. I love that Obi-Wan doesn't break. Obi-Wan doesn't break it makes this episode for me. Yeah. I'm sold. Yeah. Because, like, and again, like, like, you know, obviously you'll get to this down the road, but, like, the way that that links up to and ultimately gets paid off in Twin Sons. Like, it, there's a Look what I've risen above. Mm-hmm. Look what I've risen above. Yep. I, 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 now I'm seeing that, like, it's, you look what I've risen above, and there's, like, a silent you there. Yeah. That's, that's, that's something I never really can, wow, that's, that, that just makes me like that episode more, and I didn't think that there was any more I could like that episode. Yeah. And again, to go back to something that I mentioned at the start when we were talking about revival, and it's a through line to this episode, and of course, ultimately, you know, a, a through line to, to Twin Sons, like, Maul killing Satine's like, another instance, like, he can't break the cycle. He's like, I suffered because of you all these years, now you gotta suffer too. Like, he has to perpetuate it. Yep. Um, let me see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a weird thought I've been having, okay? I'm not to, I'm not one to ship characters in Star Wars normally. But I have to, like, uh, step away from that a little bit for this one. Does anybody ship Obi-Wan and Bo-Katan? Maybe what I said was blasphemy. But I think it'd be an interesting ship. I do not... I'm not familiar with that. No? I don't know if there's <laughs> a community. I can't, I can't say that that has ever crossed my mind. <laughs> No. I'm sorry for any images that may or may not be going through your heads right now. Um, <laughs> so uh, I probably should say that. Um, 
Yeah. Um, and then there's, of course, that great shot of the hangar opening up. Oh, yeah. And Obi-Wan seeing the carnage. Yeah. Oh, God. That we get a... Um, that gets paralleled later in uh, in Rebels. In Heroes on Mandalore, I think it's maybe in the second episode, there's a shot where, like, when they're, like, fighting in the Imperial facility or whatever, Ezra is standing and it opens the hangar in there. And he's, and it's a similar shot. Interesting. It's from behind. Yeah. I was thinking of the episode of Friend in Need where Ahsoka stands similarly to that. Um, the welcome to Death Watch scene. Oh, yeah. Um, which is not, like, an identical, but it's pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, does anybody have anything before we get to, to the Dark Lord of the Sith? No. Um, no. I, or... I have one thing, which is... Go um, ahead. This is one of many reasons I'm excited for the Kenobi series. Um, because, like, this episode and so many other things we see, Kenobi does not break. He doesn't ever, like, deal with any of the stuff that's happening to him. Yet when we see him in Twin Suns, he's just, like, he's come so far. Um, I want to see him dealing with all this trauma. I want to see him, like, coming to terms with, like, every, like think of every terrible thing that happens to him, like, within, like, we. I don't know what the exact timeline is between, like, um, this, like, losing Satine and, like, Revenge of the Sith and all that. I don't know. But it's pretty quick, and it's a lot. He loses literally everything, and... Oh yeah, I um, you know, he, he he eventually he has to deal with that somehow. Um, I want to see that. I do too. I'm gonna plant a thought in everyone's mind, and I just thought of, oh my god, this would be. Imagine you and saying Satine as Obi Wan. Oh. We need that now. Oh, we, uh, we we need that to happen. That's uh, gotta happen. Uh, oh god, that's gotta happen. Oh, uh, I'm broken. <laughs> 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 Oh, God. It's like it's like it's like the moment we all know we all need um, from the Rogue One novelization of uh, Forrest Whitaker saying Stila before he uh, dies on Jedi. Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> yep. Okay, here we go. R.I.P. to a real one. Savage Press. Darth Sidious. Boom. Um. Yeah. This is the first time we see Sidious duel in the Clone Wars. Yeah. This is the first time we see Sidious not in a hologram in the Clone Wars, I found out, actually. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is Darth freaking Sidious. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things. Like, uh, one thing that I noticed, um, like, in the scene, again, for the first time, like, rewatching it for this, is in the scene when he's on on Coruscant and he's meditating. Like, I don't know if they did this. On, I mean, probably they did do this on purpose, but if you look at like the lighting, only the bottom part of his face is illuminated. Mm-hmm. Like only basically from the nose down is lit and then everything above it is in darkness. Um, like, mm-hmm. I love that. And then it's like, yeah, just like everything like from his arrival on, like I think when on my show, when I talked about the duel, I think in an early episode, like I referred to it as Force Unleashed Palpatine. Like, I mean, that yeah. is pretty much it. Like, like when he <laughs> when he gets off the shuttle and like the two Mandalorians are there and he just like force chokes them like immediately. Um, yeah. When he does the same thing when he shows up in the throne room, we get you know we've been talking about you know Star Wars quotes and nod to other things like Maul sitting in the throne room. What does he say? A presence I haven't felt since. Like the Vader line. Kenobi. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, there's, so, yeah. there's so much great like there there are great like dual moments. So again, we'll talk about it. There's some great pel there's some of my favorite Palpatine lines are in this duel. Yeah. Uh yeah. Well, actually, can I say one of my favorite Palpatine mm -hmm. lines that's totally, totally in this episode? Yeah. Like, 100% in this episode? He's shocking uh, Maul. Uh, Please, spare me! Have mercy! Sorry. Mercy machine broke. <laughs> <laughs> so, true fact, Jacob was the first person to send me that meme. Um, and now I just think of it, like, as part of the episode. So. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. So, am I the only one to think this fight wasn't really a fight? I mean, it, it is the case that it's like, despite the fact that it is, you know, two on one, like. They are so overwhelmingly yeah. outmatched by by Sidious that yeah, it just doesn't like. Even if you think about like, even if you take like Savage for instance, like the things we've seen, like we talked about earlier in this episode, we were talking about revival, like that he takes out a Jedi Master. Uh, we we see him earlier. I'm forgetting exactly the, the the two Jedi we see him first kill, like on his very first mission. Like we we've seen like how powerful he is, and the fact that. Like Palpatine is able to so effortlessly handle him, and even yeah. even Maul rather effortlessly. Like it's not yeah. hard. He killed Qui Gon. It yeah. almost feels as if he's just toying. Yeah, he is toying with them. He is just playing with them. Yeah, there's literally at one point. It's like one of my favorite like little things in the duels. Like when he separates them briefly and he has this moment where like Palpatine pauses and like he cracks his neck. Like he does this move, uh, like just before he like he gets back into the yeah like that exactly like just before he gets into the fight back in it makes literally no sense and then the butter and then as, as i think i've heard a star wars podcast or youtuber call it the butterfly block where he puts the two sabers behind his head yeah yeah like it makes he's, no he's sense just, but he can do it because he's palpatine he's just having too much fun at that point like come on <laughs> it's like i don't have enough i don't have enough fiery coal in my dark side furnace is Jake <laughs> and so i just gotta i just gotta get some more <laughs> yeah um uh yeah i by the way does savage's death even though i don't like his character does savage's death break anybody else it was pretty it was pretty sad it, it is, was, yeah. When he's like, a moment. Yeah, when he's apologizing to Maul and saying, I'm an unworthy apprentice, like I never was. Yeah, just that notion that, like, he dies thinking that, like, he failed somehow, that, like, he wasn't worthy enough when it was, in fact, that, like, he was just manipulated this whole time and, like, put up in a situation where he like he was basically put in a no-win scenario like yeah. there was no version where he where he was gonna win against sidious yeah yeah and it's I... and it's sad because he really never had a choice he was he was plucked from his home forced to kill his brother forced to turn into this murderous monster all just because he was like in the wrong place at the wrong time really 
I like how DeVore skipped conveniently the one line I wanted to mention, uh, which is um, maybe my favorite line that Clancy Brown ever says in animated Star Wars. I'm not like you. The way he says that line will yeah. like forever stay with me. I'm not it's, like you. I never was. So yeah. sad. The, just like the pause he does between the not and like is, is just so heartbreaking and so powerful um yeah uh i also by the way let me just note before we wrap things up with the episodes i love how like 10 minutes ago this arc was not about palpatine but <laughs> the arc ends with palpatine winning anyway yeah, yeah. how he does just, he do he, that he just finds, <laughs> he makes he just things finds that aren't about him and he wins he makes everything about him. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, uh, what are people's overall thoughts about the Lawless? If no one else has um, any other thoughts, or like about the arc in general. I mean, great episode. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Heart heart wrenching, really. Heart wrenching. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I did have a want to bring up briefly about the duel uh because i sort of teased in my episode synopsis about a logistical issue i had with the duel oh yes and it's like it's not one of those like it's not one of those things like oh this ruins it for me because i like i love this duel like it's really really good but it's one of those things that like always like gives me an issue like when i watch it because like i can't make it make sense to me which is that like why does maul wait until savage is taken out to ignite the darksaber He's that fighting with just one lightsaber, like his half lightsaber, all the way up to that point. Then Savage dies. Then he takes out the darksaber. Like, why I think, did he start off with it? I think I think I think maybe it's because, obviously, you're gonna have to really switch it up if you're fighting with two blades, in terms of your style. And for Maul, who is accustomed to a double blade or just a plain old lightsaber at that point. I think it's only when he gets really desperate that he decides he might have to do that. Because when it's a two-on-one, he's probably thinking, okay, we're probably not going to defeat Sidious. We just got to play it cool and try and get out of here. But then once Savage is gone, like, he's desperate, you know, and he's he's just lost his brother. So I think he's kind of willing to, to take the risk of probably a fighting style that he doesn't have much experience with. If it gives him some advantage, that would that would that was my interpretation of it. I would agree with Jacob that that's what I was gonna say. I I, was, I just imagine Maul thinking in his head, "Oh, I have the dark saber. I don't need this. Mm. You kidding me? I don't need this." And then Savage dies, and he's like, "I might need this." <laughs> um, I, I'm just yeah, yeah imagining him being like, "Yeah, on the second thought, maybe one more blade at any advantage I can get." Honestly, yeah. Um, so now the overall thoughts, if Meg, you don't have anything else to, uh, I, I do have a, 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 a dark saber theory because of course I do. And because I made you tell me what your, your, your gripe with this duel was <laughs> so that I could think of a counter to it before this episode. Um, even Maul knows at this point that, um, the dark saber is more symbolic than anything else. And um, th there is this sense of, like, 
if you're holding that saber, it's because you're worthy of holding it. It's because yeah. um, you you want it somehow, you gained it somehow, and you are worthy of using it in combat or however you are uh, going to win whatever battle you're in. And this is the point in the fight where Maul realizes, like, oh, like, I'm never going to live up to whatever potential I thought Sidious would let me live up to. Um, and yeah. I, the, the one thing that I thought of um, with this is, like, this is the moment where Maul realizes, like, the only person that's going to make him feel worthy of anything is himself. Um, so that's when he ignites the light, the Darksaber, because um, he, in some way, feels worthy of winning something for himself and not under anyone else's care. Yeah. So. That sounds like a plausible theory to me. Yeah, um, I like it. Thank you. <laughs> um, it, yeah. Um, so, overall thoughts about this arc? About the four? I can go first if... Yeah, go for it. Gathering. Yeah. Um... I generally like this. I, I like uh, Shades of Reason is ironically, I think, no, it's Lawless is my favorite. Never mind. I was about to say Shades of Reason, but Lawless and then Shades of Reason very, very closely. Um, uh, but I really like this. It's not, as I said last episode, um, not last episode, a few episodes ago. It's not, as I say, said a few episodes ago, my favorite arc of season five. That is still, and I'm saying this again because I'm saying it again, Jacob. It's still Onderon. Um, uh, I know you don't like it, but I don't care. Um, uh, anyway, uh, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful arc. It does some things that I love. Uh, it does some things that I don't, but it's not as many, of course. The one gripe I guess I have with this arc, um, if I had to say anything, is I'm not a fan of when Star Wars goes ridiculously dark. Uh, that's just not my personal taste. But that's not even a like a that's not even a, uh, a a gripe with the Star Wars. It's just a gripe with me. It's just not something I'm personally into. We all have our different types of Star Wars that we're into. I'm a little, into a little bit more of the lighter, fun stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm I'm not as into the crazy dark stuff. But I can see how some people are. Uh, yeah. Jake, do you want to take it from there, or do um, more make you? Yeah, I, I absolutely love this arc. Um, I'd, I'd never really watched it like this before, you know, having Revival in there. I really I really think that changed the experience and kind of made it feel a bit more whole, and, and I think it helped make Revival stand a bit better than it does in the normal episode. Oh, in the normal episode chronology. So I, I really like this. Um, I, I enjoyed getting to see Maul in action. Um, obviously, um, it hit very hard at times emotionally. So, yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan of it. Big fan. Yeah, I think this is a, a really excellent arc. It is also not my favorite arc of season five. That would be the that would be Ahsoka's trial. But... Um, oh, yeah. I yeah, I really love it. I think, you know, at the time when when basically like this was the end of the Mandalore arc, like before we got season seven and I got came came back, I, I think it did a great job of resolving a bunch of different storylines, whether it is you're talking about the Savage storyline, whether you're talking about Satine's story and all of that. 
Um, and even again, you know, pre-season seven, wrapping up kind of Maul's story in there. And like, it's funny because like, Maul is, you know, obviously he's not original to the Clone Wars, but he is like one of the most important characters in that show in terms of like what the show does for him and in, in terms of his role in it. But like, he's not actually in a lot of it. <laughs> like he's basically in these episodes that we talked about and then the end of season four ones. I'm like, that's it. But like the arc allows him to have such an importance in the story without actually giving him a whole lot of actual episodes and screen time that yeah, I think for all of those reasons, like it is a real, it is among the strongest arcs that we get in the entire show. Well, three of these four episodes have um, three of my favorite things in Star Wars. That is, Mandalorians, uh, the dark saber, and um, the rightful ruler of Mandalore, our Lady Bo-Katan Grease. <laughs> so, um, we all stand. You may guess that um, I love these episodes. Um, I, 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 you know, I was rewatching these for this and I didn't remember so much of them. And I don't know why that is because I love them so much, but like there's something about being able to rewatch something that you haven't seen in a while and it almost feels like you're seeing it for the first time again, but you're all, it's also familiar. Um, so it was a great time. I, um, I love Mandalore, Mandalorians, everything. <laughs> <laughs> I just am having a great time. It, it's uh, it's a great time talking about this stuff. Um, uh, before we go, uh, I think it's time. Um, I know we're running a little long here, but it, I think it's time. We'll try to make this quick to get to everybody's favorite part of Star Wars in the Galaxy. What you've brought me today is worth one quarter portion. So Jacob and I uh, drafted uh, three six degrees each, um, one to give to every other member of this call. Um, we can decide. Jacob, you want to go first? Give your first one away. Uh, yeah. Who, who is this? Uh, for is this for you? For you? You can decide. You can decide. Um, I guess I'll give it up for grabs then. Um, but could anyone, in six steps or less, as per the rules of six degrees, connect Satine Kreis and Admiral Holdo? Ooh, that's a good one. I tried to I tried to make these somewhat thematic for I today's. Got it. Uh... What? Oh, that's cool because the... I didn't. What? I have it. <laughs> All right, Satine is of course connected to Obi Wan. Obi Wan is at the birth of Leia. Leia Holdo. Nice. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, that's pretty, pretty good. good. That was very very fast. Okay, I'm going to assign mine to somebody. So much longer. Um, Let's see, who am I going to assign mine to? Um, I'm going to assign... Oh, this is a fun one. Uh, I'm going to assign this one to Meg because of reasons. Um, (laughs) Reasons. No reasons other than than you might be able to figure out um, the thing I want you to figure out. To be able to figure out. Orson Krennic. Page Tico. Oh, God. I'm the worst of these. Hold on. Or some chronic Page Tico. Oh, man. Oh, oh, wait. That's a hard one. I cannot think. Oh. Wait, does he ever interact with Vader? Who? 
Krennic, yeah. Mm-hmm. He does. Okay, I. Yeah. Um. Wait, why did they? <laughs> Be careful not to choke on your aspirations, director. It's late. It's fine. Um. Because what I'm thinking right now is Krennic, Vader, Leia, Rose, Paige. But do Leia and Rose ever interact? This is why I'm terrible at this. Technically in the cave on Crate, like they're both there. Yeah. Were you thinking of something specific? I I was, so I realized why I did this. This is another plug for Terrifying Tales. Um, <laughs> Orson Krennic, Van A, oh, Poe Dameron, Paige Tico. <laughs> oh, is, is that even a lot? You know what? Whatever. Fine. <laughs> Did you really think I was yet an... <laughs> I was wondering, since you'd seen it, I was wondering... Would you make the Poe Vanet connection? Because I realized when I was watching it, oh my god, Poe and Vanet, two different eras. All the six degrees possibilities are endless. Oh god. Oh. <laughs> my lord, director Krennic is here. <laughs> I love Vanet so much. Go ahead with your second one, Jake. Right. Um, As I had to make her. Once wait. again, for everyone, for anyone who wants, I guess. Hondo Onaka and Mas Ameda. Um, I can take this one if you want, Meg. Sure. All right, go for it. Hondo Dooku Palpatine Mas Ameda. Wow. Hondo Anakin, Palpatine, Mas Meta. Hondo Obi-Wan, Palpatine, Mas Meta. <laughs> All three can work. <laughs> it's okay. I I tried to throw, throw a sneaky at you with the um, Van A thing, but... Um, okay, for... I'm gonna assign this one to Devor, actually. Alright. Um, Fennec Shand. Orn Frita. Orn Frita. Okay, oh um, Fennec Shand, uh, Fennec Shand, Hunter, Crosshair, Frita? That actually works. Yeah, I did not think of using Bad Batch for that. That's a good one. <laughs> Divorce too good. Uh, Jacob, do your final one, and then I'm going to do my final one, which one is going to goes out to whoever. Up. So, Meg. Olmec. And Makith Tua, the two figureheads, the Clone Wars figurehead and the Rebels figurehead. Who? <laughs> Can I just quit now? <laughs> wait, wait, who is this? Ma- Makith, Makith Tua, Tua. She's the uh, she's the woman who's kind of in charge on Lothal in season one of Rebels. Oh, Minister Tua. So okay, I didn't Minister know Tua. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know her from her first name. Minister, okay. yeah, Minister Tua. I should I should start just using titles because right. yeah, that's way better. Um, all right. Uh, but yeah, 
Um, okay, um, Almec, Bo-Katan, Sabine, Tua. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was gonna, I, I thought Sabine was gonna lead somewhere. Yeah. Because she's both Mandalorian and in Rebels. It works. <laughs> okay, Jacob, I have this one to, for, specifically because I, so Jacob, remember when I, I just cackled aloud before we invited them on, realizing I had just done the best thing ever? I do, yes. I'm giving this to you now. All right. So, you're welcome. Here we go. Captain Phasma and the Big Heizu from Nomad Droids. What? The big, <laughs> wait. The Big Heizu <laughs> from Nomad Droids. The The Big Heizu from Nomad Droids. He's the one that R2 falls on. <laughs> what is that? I... I, what? 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 Oh, the guy, the guy, the guy, the leader of the tiny, the tiny, yes, civilized, the the micro, the oh, tiny, the civilized big Heizu. Bro, this is the most forgotten about episode of the Gunners, and for good reason. Exactly, and that's why I picked it. The entire episode is just like a a, a fever dream. Okay, um, <laughs> Captain Phasma to the big Heizu. Oh gosh. Oh my, oh my gosh. Hang on. Let me think. There's okay. one path out of this. Actually, technically two, but. Okay. Um, okay. The Big Heizu R2D2. Anakin. Mm, no, R2D2. Leia Finn Phasma. I just figured out actually another path. Um, do you want me to tell you? Sure. Yeah, why not? You can get rid of Leia and Finn and replace them with BB-8, and that'll fit. Oh, really? Of course. I always forget. I always forget about the droids. Yeah. In our, in our this one was literally forcing you to think about the droids because the only two routes out were C-3PO and R2-D2. Yeah. And, and no one messes with the Big Hey Zoo. What the Big Hey Zoo says goes. <laughs> oh my God. Uh. Okay. Um. Okay, but I think that is going to be it for this episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Um, Meg and Devor, thank you for sticking out this very long recording session with us. Um, you want to plug your stuff before you go? You first. Oh, God. Um, you know what? The easiest place you can find me and all my things is on Twitter, at MegDowell, because that's where I link all the things that I do. Uh, Utini.com, it's great. Yeah, and I host a larger view of the Force, a Star Wars podcast. You can find that basically wherever you listen to podcasts, probably wherever you're listening to this, you can find the show. And you can also find the show on Twitter at a larger view pod. You can, of course, find In a Galaxy at In a Galaxy Pod on Twitter, at Star Wars In a Galaxy on Instagram, on Spotify and Anchor and Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, we will be there. Um, thank you so much to Megan DeVore for coming on. This is like your eighth or ninth time combined <laughs> um uh i still can't believe this but um thanks so much for coming on um and uh next week next week i need to see what we're doing next week because we're recording this out of order next week we are going to be looking at um the ahsoka trial arc of the clone wars but we're not going to be doing it alone this episode deals with a lot of um, legal um, analysis. So we're bringing on an expert. S uh, Star Wars fan, 
lawyer and trivia champion, Mr. Thomas Harper. Um, and he will be on with us uh, analyzing the law of the Ahsoka trial arc. We're very excited for that. Um, and in the meantime, uh, may the Force be with you. Always.